Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the sprawling mansion of Dr. Green, discussing the 1973 horror film, Ganja and Hess. This film was written and directed by Bill Gunn, tasked by producers to create a vampire film in the same vein as Blackula, which was released the year prior, Gunn instead took a more original approach, delivering a metaphorical meditation on race, identity, religion, and addiction through the veil of vampirism. With a talented cast, interesting ideas, and an experimental and unorthodox execution, Ganja and Hess is as intriguing as it is significant. This film was recommended to us by friend of the show and when-to-go-getter, Pancake the Panda. We want to thank her so much for her continued support, as well as this suggestion. So, Ganja and Hess... What were your first impressions on the film? I had never heard of this movie up until we were getting ready to cover it. Uh huh. Um, I might have, I might have heard it and not paid, you know, kind of paid attention to it, and I'd never seen it. Definitely, um, very artsy movie. Yes, uh, a lot of shots, really nice shots. I was very confused. Uh, I did enjoy the movie, um, but there was a lot of just stuff going on you know what i mean like it was very uh i don't even want to say intense at time but it was just very uh like the art was constant and i'm like oh my god everything's so pretty what's happening <laughs> uh, but it is a good movie mm-hmm. um i know we'll talk about it later but the word vampire it's very loose here in this movie I th- it's their own kind of take. Right. Because it's not what you think. Yeah. It has like half the elements of what you expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, I would say vampire only because of, I mean, you, you live forever, you drink blood. That's yeah. two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of this before watching Horror Noir. Same. And whenever I saw it on there and I saw them talking about it, I was like, well, I definitely need to see that. It's been on my list forever and I just never did. Yeah. And then you get kind of intimidated because you hear that there's other versions and there's this and there's that. And it's like in the MoMA with fucking basket case or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But finally watching it, it was such an interesting experience because visually it's very striking. We love Dwayne Jones in this house. Yes. But there are so many aspects to it that were very confusing to me. And I'm the person that will dig in and try to read more. And and I'm still left with a couple things that I'm like, was that it's so contradictory that was it on purpose? Because by it, by the film is contradictory in itself. Uh-huh. You are expecting a black exploitation film. That's not what this is. Well, you're kind of sold that through everything exactly. you read about yeah. it. Yeah. But even I was watching this interview with Chiz Schultz. He was one of the producers on the film. Mm-hmm. And he had said that they had talked about when they were in the planning stages of making the movie. Right. Uh, I usually don't get into this until I give my uh, like <laughs> first no, impressions. Go ahead, but go ahead. Um, Kelly Jordan Enterprises, uh-huh. they wanted to make five films to cater to black audiences after the success of Blackula. All right, they saw that and wanted to replicate it. And so I learned this on a documentary called "The Blood of the Thing." Mm-hmm. Okay, it's about the making of Ganja and Hess. But um, they wanted to recreate that ex- that success with black exploitation films under their production. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they contacted 
Bill Gunn, who was an actor and a playwright at the time, and he was doing like small parts on TV shows. He had written some things, but he hadn't really made a full splash. Okay. And so this was meant to be his full splash, but they're telling him, they're like, we want you to make Blackula. And he was like, yeah, sure. And he did not <laughs> at all want to make Blackula. Yeah. Well, I respect that. We we did Blackula. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. I, I respect it. And, so, and I feel playwright. Like, you yes. can feel that watching Oh, no, this. yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of monologues that feel like they belong on the stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that the thing was is that whenever the producers are saying that it's supposed to be Blackula, and then the way that they marketed it originally, whenever they had the first showing, people expected to see Blackula. Well, you're setting it up for failure at that point. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This film is so interesting because it's like one foot in and one foot out on some things. Like even we talked about the vampire thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vampire movie, but like not fully almost like i don't know how to explain it and that's interesting that you said that because i don't know films like blackula the black exploitation films are films for the black community and so it's it's funny not not haha funny funny weird or whatever okay. the <laughs> fact that we finally get that and it, it's still commodified oh that did really well make another one that's gross but you know that's a different conversation Uh but i respect him for not just (laughs) regurgitating another black different. this is just so so different it's it's really i've never seen anything like this before No. no it's it's a very complicated film that's the one thing that i thought when i was watching it yeah and it's saying a lot of things some of them are kind of on the surface some of them you have to dig in to find mm-hmm. and a lot of the time uh you don't even know if what you're thinking is correct <laughs> right <laughs> because it's like so nuanced in a way that you're like well and that's the thing is that they talked about talking to bill gunn after he had made the film and he was of the mind of what do you get out of it? And then you tell him, he's like, well, then that's what it is. And so I respect okay. that. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, I'm like, but what, but what is what it? Did you yeah, want, yeah. What were yeah. you thinking what when is you it wrote really? it? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's from the 70s. And so there's that aesthetic there that, of course, I love. But also there's uh, clear technical limitations Oh yeah, on a decent amount of things as far as some scenes the way that they look some scenes the way that they sound but you realize that like you had said with all the different versions of it yeah the difficulty was after they had first shown it in new york they showed it in a small theater at i think they said 57th street Mm -hmm. but they did it like a real premiere of a big film and they're like no 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 what you what you should be doing is presenting this as a black art house film yeah and if you do that build it small well that's what it is word of mouth yeah and they're like no this is the next blackula and so that's the thing y'all set it up to fail period and so after the i guess you know when you tell people they're going to see this movie and they get a different movie the critics obviously didn't like it yeah right and so bill gunn he's like well i'm taking it to Cannes film festival Mm -hmm. to show you that this film as is is worth what we're saying right without the like expectation yeah and so he did and it got like a massive standing ovation it won awards i read like several sources were saying that it was called at Cannes one of the best i think 10 best films of the 1970s damn and so but that's your audience yes yeah but the thing is is as soon as it gets back to the states they're like well we heard all that but we're gonna (laughs) cut the shit out of it (laughs) (laughs) but it like you said it is an art house movie yeah it's that's where it shines yes but and and 
I'm here stateside. I'm American. Uh-huh. Stateside. It, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did appreciate the art of it. I just, I want a slasher movie. That's not your and, style. Yeah. Right. Or like, I, I, I hate saying I want Blackula again, but it's great. So, <laughs> I mean, just make another one. I do or, enjoy I Blackula. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, is that they, instead of trusting the filmmaker with his intent, they tried to make it what they wanted it to right, be. Right, right. To make money. Exactly. Like, let's be honest. Because okay. they did. And it's so ridiculous. I was watching, they recut it and released it like five, six times. Jeez. Uh, the one time it's called Blood Couple. One time it's called Black Evil. One time it's called Black Vampire. <laughs> and Blood Couple is the one Christ. he hated, right? Yes. They saw it and they were within 10 minutes. They're like, take our fucking names off of this. <laughs> wow. Like they were pissed. But they also, after the success of The Exorcist, they released it, I think, as uh, Double Possession, <laughs> which <laughs> there is no possession in this yeah. one. No, there is not. Not at all. But the, the vampirism is so like subtle that yeah. you can kind of like, do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Call um, it whatever you want. Yeah. The good news, though, is that the version that we watched is the original intention of Bill Gunn. Okay. okay. And okay. I think it took 25 years for them to get it all together and finally re-release it. It's a shame he passed away before it could get that yeah but um he finally his vision is able to be seen yeah and it's available i mean we watched it on showtime (laughs) (laughs) but i will say it's it it's not i don't i wouldn't call it an easy watch okay yeah yeah. because it, it is challenging in a lot of ways the structure is very interesting uh character motivations not necessarily clear yeah yeah that's the thing is i feel like i I'm like, are we, was it intended for us to kind of fill in the gaps ourselves? Because like we see two characters meet and then in the next scene, their relationship or their friendship or whatever is something that motivation we've not, we've not defined. We didn't follow. We don't, we're just supposed to be like, all right, that's what we're doing now. Well, uh, in the words of Bill Gunn, well, what did that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What did it mean to you? you? (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, before we stab this film three times, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's live forever. So the film begins with soft piano and a bit of text. The text explains that while studying the ancient black civilization of Murthia, Dr. Hess Green, doctor of anthropology and geology, was stabbed by a stranger three times with a dagger, one for God the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. The text reads that the dagger carried a disease from that ancient culture, which caused him to become addicted, unable to die, and unable to be killed. So this surprised me a lot that we're starting here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because I thought this was going to be like, oh, Doctor has screen, you know, blah blah blah. Like we were getting backstory on him. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, all right. But this, I don't want to give anything away for later on. But uh-huh. I will say that this is a confusing thing for me because this leads me to believe that the first time we see has already this has already happened yeah. right that's how i read the entire film until i couldn't read it that way anymore okay <laughs> <laughs> just just making sure um i also thought to say diseased from that ancient culture was a pretty fucked up way of yeah, yeah i would I agree that was a little yeah. weird yeah because i mean i don't think even if it was if like some say somebody had a cold or something back then i don't think that that 
that that doesn't survive on surfaces. So they're meaning like in a much worse way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't like it. I'm not here for it. No. But among white marble sculptures at the Brooklyn Museum of Art, a man sings the hymnal, I Know It Was the Blood, and we get the title, Ganja and Hess. The opening credits continue over shots of a church congregation. A man stands speaking in tongues as other folks stand in front of the pews with their arms raised, and Reverend Luther Williams, played by Sam L. Wayman, stands center stage with the microphone. I didn't know this was going to be a church movie, so I was a little surprised, but all right. I, they were tearing it up. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not religious at all, but there's something about that energy that I'm like, yeah. holy shit, I so feel... Can I just have like a piece? <laughs> yeah, I feel the fucking spirit or whatever. <laughs> it's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's very energetic. I will say that um, this was filmed at a real church in New York. Okay. Uh, I think it was near where Bill Gunn lived. Mm-hmm. And in the shot that you first see of Luther... Behind him is the actual minister of the church. Oh, oh nice. that's cool. <laughs> so like <laughs> right. the whole congregation, I think they hired a few extras, but most of them are really just there that's for church. Cool. Oh, nice. And it's shot. It feels like a documentary at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, it does. Like it feels like you're literally just walking into this church. Um, I did also want to point out that Sam Wayman is Nina Simone's brother. <gasps> Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that at all. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And later on, we also see a Nina Simone record. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, it's pretty I cool. I love that. Yeah. But Luther tells his followers with a smile that Jesus is here today. And if they don't feel it, they have no business being here. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess I'll thank take you. my leave. <laughs> thank you, sir. I just came for the energy. But thank you. Yeah, thank it, was really, it was very infectious. <laughs> But the congregation emphatically agrees with this sentiment, and we hear him speak in a voiceover over the footage. Luther says that he's been a minister for a long time, and he likes it. He says he's been at this church a while, and the people love him here. The best part about this is that they pull something out of him, which in turn allows him to pull something out of them. We watch as he gets even more into his sermon, drawing on the energy of the congregation, telling them that he wants to get higher and higher. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Not like I think. Uh, I think he means the Lord. <laughs> Me too. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you got. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to call out because we talked about it, kind of feeling like a documentary. The cinematographer is a guy called James Hinton. Okay. And he actually had a lot of experience shooting documentaries. I read in the New Yorker that he, during the civil rights movement and afterwards, had a hand in over seventy documentaries. Damn. And he took over 40,000 photographs of civil rights leaders and ordinary folks during the time. Damn. That's really cool. Yeah. I also saw a lot of sources that were saying that he is the first black North American director of photography for a feature film released theatrically. Oh, shit. I couldn't find anything else otherwise, but if that's true. We'll give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Big if true. Yeah. But in a voiceover, Luther explains that while he is the reverend of this church, he also works a part-time job as a chauffeur and stableman to help support his family. We see him driving on the job, where he reveals that he works for Dr. Hess Green, played by Dwayne Jones, who we see sitting silent with his head in his hand at the window in the back seat. Dwayne Jones! Yes, absolutely. I have to say, though, the way that he's sitting in the back, doesn't that fit in with what is supposed to have already happened? Yes, and with what Luther says next, I feel like we're we're already living it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And also, I thought that Luther was kind of going to be our like lens into yeah. the film. Oh, yes. And. Not really. <laughs> yeah. I'll like, well, see you guys later. Yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, that was it. I got a church, dude. I gotta... I've got like two, three jobs. I don't have time for this. Very, very busy, man. <laughs> I will say I was I was caught off guard immediately because whenever you get the opening text, it's all about Hess Green. Yeah. yeah. And so when we start like, with Luther. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, maybe is is that me thinking it's jarring or am I just the most impatient human of all time? <laughs> Where's that? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't understand this. But um, No, I thought the same thing. I thought that Luther was gonna be our guide on this. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was gonna kind of be explaining everything that goes on, maybe giving us the details to make sense of everything. Yeah. Well, starting with him and starting with a voiceover. Yeah. You know, but that's it's abandoned pretty quickly. Very quickly. Um Dwayne Jones, of course. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. Yes. Fantastic performance. Very important performance. Yes. Yes. Um, he was, from what I read, very hesitant to take on this role because he had said he had just done a zombie film and he's going to do a vampire film. He's like, people are going to typecast me. Yeah. Think that this is all that I do and can do. But he eventually obviously accepted. I think that he makes this role more than what's on the page. Yeah, right. for sure. Like his performance adds so much to it. There's a stoic, yeah. you know. I know it's like they're both horror or whatever, but he plays very different oh, absolutely. characters. Yeah. So, I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wouldn't oh, yeah. worry about being typecast. Not at all. They said actually he was teaching literature at a university at the time this film was made. <laughs> oh, shit. I love that. Like, You're fucking cool, man. Yeah. But on-screen text at the lower third reads, Part 1, The Victim. Luther explains that Hess is an addict, but he says that he isn't a criminal. He's a victim. And he's addicted to blood. <laughs> so right. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that tracks with what we've been told. Because to me, yeah. I'm like, this is Luther being like, so I drive this vampire around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is my car, you know? <laughs> but that's not at all nope. what's happening yet. No, because in my notes, I was like, oh, he can be out in the sun. Yeah. yeah, that too. No, that's a big thing too. Yeah. I was like, well, he's got the sunglasses on, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, just as long as don't get the sun in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> don't make eye contact. Yes. The yes. That's the only rule. But we cut from the car to Hess overlooking paramedics responding to a car accident. They load an injured young man onto a stretcher, blood covering his face, and Hess looking on. I did the the paramedics. I thought it was funny that they're not like, can you stand back? Yeah, <laughs> like he's, he's next to the car. <laughs> he really inserted him. Yes, he did. <laughs> so you gonna finish all that blood? <laughs> but again, why is he doing this if he's not already a vampire? Yeah. yeah. So, so that... I I had my own theory, but then the more I was reading stuff about it after, well, we'll get into it when we get into it. Okay. Continue, please that now just because i'm thinking about it now and i'm like no yeah it doesn't that it doesn't makes make no sense. sense no i well there <laughs> there is a theory and it's very very funny <laughs> because even the producer on commentary was talking at one point and he's like so i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> what's uh but i'll get to that point <laughs> because it's exactly what i was thinking yeah. and everybody on commentary was like that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> But Luther pulls the Rolls Royce he's driving outside of a building where inside George Maida, played by Bill Gunn, the writer director of the film, love that observes himself in a mirror. Luther helps Hess out of the back seat, and Hess kindly thanks him, putting on his sunglasses and telling him to park the car elsewhere. But inside, we see Maida readying a small revolver, aiming down sight as it shines in the light. 
so first of all this is just aesthetically yeah there's something about the 70s in film when light hits a shiny surface it lingers in a yeah. weird way yeah and i love it so much and it just makes me very happy yeah but do you think because some critics have posited that this what we see with Meta and the gun mm. is not happening now i didn't think it was okay i but there's a lot of things where i'm like a lot of it feels like dreamlike almost. Yes. And so it's like kind of like this almost like a stage play where it's like over the top pantomimed because yeah, yeah. you can't just be like, I've got these thoughts inside me or whatever, <laughs> you know? So you see him doing it. He's not doing it in real life, but that's like what's happening inside of him. So okay, I feel like that from, may, all right. that's how I, I took it. Because from this point, I was like, oh, this is a whole new, like this is not what I was expecting I was it to be at confused. all. No. I was like, well, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, seeing him with the gun. But the thing is, is when we meet him in a second, he's just casually hanging that's out. The yeah, thing. So I was that's, like, yeah, that's why I feel like it, it didn't actually happen. And that kind of thinking kind of got me into trouble later in the film because shit would happen and I'm like, oh, this isn't, oh no, that actually happened. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. wait, what the fuck? I, yeah, and yeah. A part of me thinks that it was cut that way intentionally as kind of a way of feeling dreamlike. Mm. It, because it does. It does, and it feels like, I don't know, and the cinematography aids it in a way because it is this like hazy situation yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the times, and you're like, well, maybe it is supposed to be playing into that idea. I don't know. I can't yeah. tell you. I don't even- <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it um, is? <laughs> <laughs> but Hess heads inside where he is greeted warmly by Jack Sargent, played by John Hoffmeister. Luther, in a voiceover, quotes John 6.53 from the Bible. I, I know I already said that I'm not religious. If it's not pronounced like 6.53 the time, I apologize. Is it 6, <laughs> 5 and 3, 6 and 53, or is it, how do uh, you do you it? You all say John 6.53. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> John 7 till 7. The verse. Okay, okay. So yeah. was I right? Right. Okay, then I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> but he quotes, And Jesus said unto them, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in thee, and I in them. Okay. This is very generous. Yeah. What, to give away your blood and skin like that? Yeah, Yeah. and skin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I realize this. (laughs) It's a cracker. What do you think? Pork rinds. (laughs) Wow. All I'm trying to say, which I haven't even started saying, (laughs) is this is part of where I'm realizing again, and we discussed this on Thirst. We discussed this, I think, on some other films. The overlap between religious imagery, iconography, and the vampire myth. Yeah. Yeah, also, they kind of go hand in hand. Zombies as well. Yeah. Like, there's a deep connection. When you say, eat my flesh and drink my blood, yeah. live forever. Yeah. Very easy to jump yeah, from Yeah, we were talking to, off yeah. mic about uh, Midnight Mass as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's very interesting to me. And I will say... There is, to me, a decent amount of overlap, if maybe if Luther was more of a prominent character, between this and Thirst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I got the same thought when I was watching it, especially uh-huh. later on. Yes. Um. Yeah, totally agree. But Hess and Jack pass several paintings, but the camera presses in on one painting of a distressed woman clutching herself with one breast covered and one bare. 
on commentary they they spoke about all these different because we see a lot of artifacts Mm -hmm. we see a lot of art pieces there's a lot of emphasis on them too Yeah. yeah but they didn't seem to know exactly what they meant for the film Outside of the fact that Bill Gunn specifically and very intricately chose each and every one of them. Okay. But then he never told anyone. <laughs> Why? He what you, it meant. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a choose your own adventure, like Goosebumps Bug. Well, All right. <laughs> I'm getting eaten by a PB&J sandwich yeah. right now. <laughs> I need some help. I need some help. <laughs> I'm flipping back to whatever page started this. Yeah. <laughs> But Hess is taken to a nearby room where Jack introduces him to George, who sits smoking. As Hess, Maida, and Luther walk back to the car together, Maida, in another voiceover, tells Hess that it's an honor to be working for him. But they make small talk about the city as the camera pulls back on the Rolls Royce, the three men get in, and Luther drives away. I feel like here I would have appreciated a little more conversation between Hess and Maida. Yeah. Maybe about why they're about to be working together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or what, you know, because he says it's an honor to be working for you, but it's like, but why? Yeah. What is he, you know? And what goal are we working toward? Like, what exactly are we doing? These are great questions. Are they just, they've just met for the very first time? That's the way it seems. It seems like Hess knows Jack. Right. Yeah. And Jack is uh, like the Kinda liaison. Like the go between. Yeah. Right. But then it's not really explained. Everything we see online says that Maida has just taken a job as Hess's assistant. Right. Right. But that's never clearly. It's yeah. not because here it seems like they're just meeting and then like in like the next scene, they seem pretty familiar. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know. They seem familiar, but there is just a weird awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> between like the I, will, I will say yeah yeah maybe yeah Hess doesn't seem familiar no 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 no, no. <laughs> like that. Maida's like I've known you since I was <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah but the opening credits continue and as they do a man sings of the Murthian age and the deaths of thousands of slaves murdered in such a way that they were unable to die a curse was placed upon them that they would live forever unless touched by the cross which the song calls an implement of torture But the song claims that since Christ had not come yet and the cross did not exist, they were forced to walk the earth until the Christians came. So it says in the opening credits that the music was composed and performed by Sam Wayman. Okay. Who plays Luther. Yeah. And the camera rests on Sam Wayman as Luther is driving the car and it's him singing. (laughs) So in my head, I was like, Hess is like, do we have to listen to this every time? (laughs) (laughs) I know you're trying to get the- like, oh, okay. You're trying to get a fourth job (laughs) going. Self-promotion, man. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. He just switches it off. (laughs) I I really, really put a lot of heart into this one. It sounds great. No, yeah. He's got a great voice. He really does. song is very soulful it is interesting though because i didn't catch that about the cross yes no yeah and so that is interesting it's it's interesting as well to me because the song is literally explaining everything yeah Yeah. which is an interesting thing to put at this point in the film they're like here's everything that happened back then yeah because we're not going to explain it through this they're not going to so you're still (laughs) don't expect it But the car pulls up outside of Hess's home, and we get another vanity shot of the front grill of the Rolls Royce as Hess steps out. He asks Archie, one of his domestic workers played by Leonard Jackson, to take Maida's things to the south bedroom. Hess asks him if he'd prefer to be called George or Maida, with Maida telling him that he hates to be called George. 
I will say, All right. I well, I don't know why he went. Yeah, it's okay. a yeah. very standard name. Uh, I had been calling him George this whole time, so I was like, Control F, and yeah. I yeah. <laughs> gotta respect let's, him. Yeah, let's make that switch. Sorry about that, Meta. But as Archie and Meta head to the south bedroom, Hess asks Luther what could be wrong with Thunder as he appears to be discolored. Luther attributes this to the heat. So I, I guess he owns horses as well. Yeah. This property is massive. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. I was like fucking, I, I want to go to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had said that this house was actually in the process of being sold by a realtor. Uh-huh. And because there was no occupants at the time, the realtor allowed them all to move in to film the oh, movie. Cool. Oh, cool. Nice. There was another like horrible story that the producer told on commentary where he said that um, they initially wanted to make this a union shoot. Yeah. And I don't know anything about the Teamsters or you know how things have gone since then. Yeah. I was going to say, be, be yeah, very, I'm being very, very careful because I'm not trying to end up like Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that what... They had said on commentary, and this is Chiz Schultz saying this, so don't come not, after me. Yeah. Not Travis Hunter. <laughs> not Travis Hunter. That's not the same person. So, Big fan of the team. Yeah, love every team star. <laughs> Never had a bad word to say about a team star. But uh, Chiz Schultz said this. I'm saying first and last. <laughs> so there's no confusion. No confusion. Uh, Chiz Schultz said in the 70s, uh-huh. the Teamsters said to him that they wanted to be a part of this production. Right. And so he told them what was going on and that they weren't sure if they were going to work on the feature. Uh-huh. So the Teamsters said to him, wow, that house sure is made of a lot of wood. I bet it would go up real nice. Why? Come on, man. Yeah, but wait, that's not even the worst yeah, part. Yeah, that's not the worst part yet. Because Chiz Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> Cite your story. <laughs> told them he said look uh as well as all the production the majority of the cast is black the majority of the technical uh workers are Mm -hmm. black all this and they're like oh well never mind we don't want to work on that feature anyway Uh, and so the teamsters walked away from the production yeah yeah Yeah. fuck off yeah i was like god damn you know and you don't really think about now i mean looking back like that was constant struggle yeah yeah and not many black filmmakers getting a lot of opportunities yeah and they finally do and the industry is still fucking yeah doing oh yeah shit like that it's That's like bullshit. it's disheartening but again at the same time you're like well i'm very glad that they were able to make the film the way they wanted with the yeah. people mm-hmm. they wanted to make it with yeah um and then of course the sad story of it getting all cut up to shit and everything yeah i was yeah. gonna say so, well, I mean, <laughs> for it to be fucked with exactly, later yeah, but... so maybe it's not but it's a happy story now yeah thank right. you showtime yeah showtime <laughs> <laughs> But inside, after we see a shot of a Nina Simone record, yeah, we see Hess and Maida seated across from each other in front of the fireplace. Maida stumbles over a story that he wants to tell, laughing about parts of it that Hess doesn't even know yet, but then remarks how great their meal was when Archie returns to the table to refill their tea. I was like, that's me telling yeah, story. <laughs> Hess is like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> well, he stops a lot. Yeah, he does. And then when Archie comes, it's like, oh, we're done. He's like, yeah. He's like great meal. It dude. was you kind of had to be there anyway. Um, no, Hess does not look amused at all. At all. But Maida finally begins the story, telling Hess about a director friend of his who was making a film in Holland. He says that in Dutch, the word "cut" translates to the c word. 
I did look this up on paper. It's it's K U T and it's pronounced completely differently. But if Maida were to say that, then it ruins his entire story. Yeah. yeah. So he's, we got to pretend for about <laughs> one more minute. That's fine. <laughs> we can do that. But long story short, whenever his director friend called cut, the locals grew disgusted with him and started throwing things. Hess is not impressed by this at all. But Maida says that the director's interpreter was supposed to be there, but he was all zonked out from a party that they had the night before, which Maida knows about because he was also there in his hotel room. Sorry. I was like, you're not the best storyteller. Yeah, getting a little yeah. confident. This is not your strong suit, but I was also there. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> but Archie returns with more refreshments for Maida, who just repeats himself, saying once again that it's been so long since he's had a good meal. Hess just smokes as Maida continues his story, saying that the interpreter corrected the director, saying that you just can't say cut in Holland because of what it means. And so the next time a scene came to an end, the director just yelled the C word. Hess just rubs his temples like he's rethinking every moment of his life that led him to hearing this story. (laughs) I'm going to be completely honest. Uh Uh-huh. I get, I get why that story is funny and interesting and the fact that it's like perception is everything because I am actually saying that word, but you know what I mean? Yes. I get the point of the story, but this was really giving me trying to tell John Paul something. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And the reaction of just... Oh, uh, like, God. I, I felt for him. <laughs> this moment. If I told an anecdote that landed that flatly, I think I would hurl myself into the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. And then just that's like, it. I don't Fuck think it. this this business relationship can move forward. No, I, I think, don't think so. It's done. Like, look, if these are the stories you're going to tell, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't know. No, if you right, don't appreciate the stories <laughs> I'm going to tell. It's like you're on a probation period. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. one, one more fucked yeah. up story like that, I'm going to new assistant. <laughs> but Maida does defend his story, saying that it was a real fantastic thing. So again, with trying to find meaning in all of this, the only thing that I could come up with with this is an idea of something normal being perverted and misunderstood. Yeah. And so that kind of feeds into a little bit with what they're trying to say about the ancient Murthians. Mm-hmm. Maybe when they're calling a culture diseased. Yeah. That kind of fits yeah. in with this story in a weird way of saying this is a very normal word that is what we do. Okay. But to you, you're hearing this. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, does that make sense? I thought it was yeah. like a Tarantino-esque dialogue that didn't really... It's like it doesn't fully fit, but it's just like fun to listen to. If that helps you. <laughs> that's how, how I did you? <laughs> how did you interpret it? <laughs> um, I also wanted to point out, Hinton said that he got into it a bit with his lighting technician when they were filming this scene because he is very much of the mind. What he had said was... His entire thing, if anything that he's leaving behind whenever he's finished as a cinematographer, uh-huh. is he wants skin tones accurately represented when they're shown on film. Love that. And so the lighting technician was like, well, what if we brighten it up to where Dwayne Jones's skin tone matches? Why? And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so it was kind of a little spat, but then he kind of had like a speech to all of them to say, look... This is about accurate representation. Yeah. Black is a myriad of skin tones. Yes. And we're not trying to homogenize yeah. anything. That's the whole point. And that's still a thing now. Yes. Like that is still an issue now. I remember when Insecure came out, it was such a huge deal because it was lit so beautifully uh-huh. to celebrate every single or to showcase right. every every range, every shade. It's like, God damn, this is still. Yeah. 
Like that's still a huge deal when that happens because it doesn't typically happen. That's crazy. Yeah, you would think that this would have been solved, or you would hope. You would, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for a that's show what, in like the 2010s, for yes. people to be still be surprised, yeah. it's like we've we still got a long way. That's a lot. That's upsetting. Yeah. But Maida changes the subject, saying that he thinks if he actually believed in desire, he doesn't think it would frighten him so much. Hess understands, saying desire is very much a part of their culture. He explains that the Merthians thought they had a desire for blood, not a need for it, even though it was just a need. Maida says that he thinks what they're talking about is hunger, but he has no idea what hunger even is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're talking about work. Yeah. yeah that's fair. <laughs> he's like all right my story bombed yeah. <laughs> work, 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 your work, research work. yeah, yeah. How's that coming? <laughs> but i mean i think it's an interesting thing because when you talk about uh gun's message with the film and trying to use it as an allegory for addiction mm-hmm. desire versus want it is yeah a concept yeah, need, yeah. Yeah. that kind of feeds into that I did think that it was very random that he's like, oh, yeah. And he thought I was saying the C word. Anyway, desire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just what you said. He was like, that didn't land. Yeah. Uh, it's like, pivot, pivot. Along, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does he like to talk about? The fucking whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure, that works. <laughs> <laughs> but that night before falling asleep, Hess fiddles with a small Merthian dagger made of bone that sits on his nightstand. He then falls asleep, seeing visions of Merthian men marching through the grass behind the Queen of Merthia, played by Mabel King. Mabel King, I just wanted to point out, two years after this, she was on What's Happening? All right. Oh. And she also played the Wicked Witch in The Wiz. Oh, okay. nice. All right. I think they said that she originated the role on Broadway, and then they cast her in the film. Oh, hell That's yeah. fucking cool. I was like, that is awesome. But they travel in slow motion through the grass, her headdress towering over them. Hess stands in front of her as she beckons him closer, but this is intercut with shots of Hess meeting Jack earlier and Maida getting ready with his gun, only this time they're both wearing silver masks covering their eyes. The first time I watched this, I was like, is this one of those eyes wide shut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's really going on? Yeah, I've never seen that movie. I just, I think there's a lot of fornicating. <laughs> <laughs> fornicating. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is that I, I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, we'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the chants of the Merthians grow to a crescendo as they echo and it all crossfades to the sleeping face of Hess, who sits up sharply out of his nightmare. Again, because of what we were told at the beginning, mm-hmm. my note is we got to get you some blood, man. <laughs> Why are you having those dreams? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's already thinking about it. See, and that's to me, if if it's not about the blood yet, it could be you like you throw yourself into your work. You're going to dream about it. Oh, of course. And so I was like, well, maybe that's what's going on when I started to understand that he wasn't vampire yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. A lot of critics did write about this scene. And there is that shot of a rich white American reaching out a hand to him, Mm -hmm. an African queen Mm -hmm. reaching out a hand to him. I was like, that is a very interesting visual. Yes. It's like he, I don't know if he feels like he has to choose if he's caught between two worlds. Mm -hmm. A lot of critics say that that's kind of what it is with the dichotomy of Hess green as a character. Okay. And I was like, that's an interesting thought as well. Well, because that is that something that he says in a minute really lends to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the, truth of his situation being very rich 
owning this fucking like mansion. Yeah. yeah. He's a professor. He's well educated. He has a name for himself. But at the end of the day, to a lot of people, he's a black man. And that, you know, there's dichotomy to that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It's- so, I mean, that that is... That's really astute. That's yeah. interesting. I think the film has a lot to say about identity. And yeah. I do wonder, because there are, like you're saying, conversations that come up later mm-hmm. that are clearly meant to say stuff like that. Yeah. Right. I feel like imagery like this is more successful to me. Uh-huh. It feels surreal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Which you, I like. You can get away with that in something like a dream. Yes. Because this it's really illustrating what's going on in him or like this push pull that's going on within him without being like well on one hand yeah, you know like it, 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 you know yeah, we get yeah. it we see that and we get it and that okay. that's where you get the art house film right right yeah for sure and so people's expecting blackula which honestly blackula does not get the credit it deserves because i don't think people remember this but at the beginning of blackula he's trying to stop the slave trade <laughs> like nobody <laughs> talks was, about I that i was gonna say not to imply that there aren't nuances yes. in blackula but it's not presented in this way right uh what did mr gunn have to say about this what did you have to say about <laughs> yes, that's my problem i don't if you're leaving it up to me nothing just tell uh-huh. me nothing. i don't know i don't get it. i i i understand uh-huh and i see that but if I'm not told that, I'm that's not what I'm I, I'm just like, what the fuck's happening here? The difficulty is like in doing a lot of research for this film, I couldn't find a lot of anything with Bill Gunn talking about this film. Yeah. It's a lot of people talking about what Bill Gunn meant to convey with this film. Right, right. But again, that's them speaking through their lens yeah. yes. and their interpretation. Yeah. So it makes it tricky. Which is kind of genius because you can make a piece of art, you can make this film that could mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people yeah. and that makes it valuable forever. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So okay, that okay. there is genius to that, but also it's like, sir, <laughs> what did you mean though? Yeah. I think that's why I appreciated moments like this because it's like, it, it couldn't be clearer. Right, right. And I was like, all right, I get okay. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. But slowly, Hess makes his way out of the bedroom and to his front yard calling out for Maida. He sees Maida's legs kicking as he sits high up in a tree, a noose hanging from a nearby branch. Maida claims that he's drunk, and Hess retorts that he's not drunk enough to jump out of the tree. Something about the combination of the noose, which is a symbol that we all know what that means, Mm -hmm. and his legs playfully kicking, it was very eerie to me. Yeah. It was like disturbing to me. The shot itself. Yeah. 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 And I think as it continues with the stuff that he has to say, it's just like, I don't know, it switches. Yeah. It goes from, I mean, the well, last you're time we saw him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what What the fuck? Yeah. I think that that's what I'm saying. Like, There's a lot of things that happen just out of nowhere in the next scene. And then it's like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Weird cuts. I'm, and it, it it's jarring for me. And I was like, I don't know. What the fuck's happening now? Why is he up there? Why is that there? Yeah. What the fuck? Well, because a lot of things like that happen where it's like, did I miss something? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a missing reel. Yeah. I think I would just like to know more about Maida. Yeah. Yeah. Before we, I mean, but I don't know where they could have, I don't know, maybe just flesh him out a little bit more before we get to this moment. Or even imply some kind of history or past between the two of them. Yeah. I feel like in the way that Hess reacts to this situation, I feel like is the way that you would react if you had had known him. Yeah, yeah, for a bit. 
This isn't a stranger. No, that's what it makes it more confusing because I know that they don't know each other because y'all just told me that they don't know each other. Yeah. But this is not the way I would react to a man that I met tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, not at all. Like, I don't know. But they stare up to the moon hanging above them. But Maida asks a favor of Hess. He requests that he doesn't try to impress him. When Hess asks if there's anything he can do for Maida, Maida says, yeah, don't bullshit me. I was like, where's this coming from? That's the thing. I, I don't know. That's in my notes. I'm like, is there a history between the two of them? I don't because know. That's what this scene is giving. But we've been told that that's not the situation. But unless time has passed. Uh-huh. And then, but we don't. Yeah, that's, that didn't that didn't happen either. Maybe I, they have been working together for a while, and but it seems like yeah, this is the it, same yeah. night. <laughs> but Jack is like, this is George Maida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? I've known him for years. <laughs> but another thing that they had said, uh, some critics were talking about Maida kind of representing artistry, especially with something we see him do later. Yeah, yeah. And Hess kind of representing business and industry. And so maybe as an artist, he's like, don't bullshit me with your opulence. Maybe? Right. might be a little bit of a reach I'm, but, well, but I'm maybe trying. I mean he's making sense of <laughs> what he yeah. can I, guess. I, uh, I read a lot of analysis pieces yeah um, but that's the thing it is it's, so open yeah. yeah so open to interpretation that yeah you're right but also if you had something else to say you'd also be right so All right. you yeah. know what <laughs> does it mean to yeah. you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the we yes. should subtitle the episode yeah. for the first time <laughs> But this surprises Hess for a moment, but he agrees not to bullshit him. As Thunder rumbles above them, Maida asks Hess if he can hand him his drink. Before he does, Hess puts his hand into the glass, which draws the ire and concern of Maida. Maida accuses him of putting something in his drink, but Hess explains that he was merely scooping out a few dead ants before handing it over. He's very paranoid. Mm-hmm. First of all, those ants were garnish. So <laughs> that <laughs> should have asked. That's first. protein, dude. <laughs> I, was, I, I set it down there for the ants. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for fucking up my meal. I, I appreciate <laughs> meal. it, but show me first before you dig your fingers in my drink. That's true. I mean, yeah, you know don't, put, I mean? don't yeah. put your hands. Yeah, in and drink. he's been asleep. He could have been scratching his ass. <laughs> yeah, or just pour, pour a little out for yeah. the ants. Here you I go. Is that a sleep activity? Oh, well, I don't know. I'm sleep. <laughs> Somebody watch me and tell me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But Maida calms down a little, admitting that he's just a little neurotic. Hess asks what that means, and Maida explains that it has nothing to do with him. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get along fine. Yeah. um, (laughs) But also, like... You're you're in my house. Yeah. yeah. So like it does have something to do with me. Yes. And Hess, I this is where I appreciated the back and forth writing. Right. Because Hess is confused, but he asks how this has nothing to do with him, considering it's his tree and his rope, explaining that the authorities would come with a lot of questions for him if he were to do what it seems he's about to do. Well, yeah. And so this this is when I was like, that's a statement. The fact that, you know, look at your home. Uh-huh. And how established you are and how clearly rich you are. He still makes it a point to be like, I'm like the only black person in this no, neighborhood. Yeah. He says that in just a second. So yeah. I mean, like that, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. But Maida sidesteps this entirely, saying that he had actually considered throwing himself into one of the nearby lakes, but he has an absolute horror of drowning. Hess sarcastically retorts, thank God your horrors outweigh your manners. Damn. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like you're the, you just woke up. You're this witty. <laughs> <laughs> but Meta grows cryptic, telling Hess that he tried not to involve him. Hess just scoffs, saying that Meta has no way of knowing this. But as you said, he's the only black man on the block. And if a black man were to wash up dead from the lake, he can be sure that the police would question him first. He then asks earnestly if Maida would please come out of the tree. Maida reluctantly hands him his glass and they head inside together. I do want to do a quick trigger warning here because there's talk of suicide Mm -hmm. and attempts at it. But next to a very large painting, Maida details a previous attempt to take his own life. He says a very long time ago, he was sitting on his kitchen floor in New York and he had an idea that he was both a victim and a murderer, which he admits was complicated. I do want to call out because this can't be ignored. During this entire scene, his nose situation. It's bad. It's a mess. It's real bad. And Mm -hmm. I want, instead of listening, well, you can listen later, but hand him a Kleenex first. Yeah. And then we'll talk. Yeah. And I will listen to every word you have yeah. to say. I can't look yeah. at you. Or, hey, go wash your face, get yeah. free, you know, and then come back. Get yourself and we'll together talk. Yeah. and then we'll talk. Yeah. On commentary, Chiz Schultz said that <laughs> <laughs> he was concerned about this, but Maida, not Maida, Maida's the character, Bill Gunn said that this visual was necessary. I don't agree. Why? I guess just to, just how it's just, there's no ego there's no you know vanity there's no, i i i get the point where it's like he doesn't fucking care like he doesn't care that there's not running down his mustache i care he but his host <laughs> might i mean yeah it's um it's unsightly yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah um but the thing is as well and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying he does say something about vanity and something that he writes later yeah yeah so maybe it is just him as a person this is who George yeah. Maida is. Just stripped down like there. And I feel like this was a little more in line with what I would expect. I think that's what had disturbed me so much about him, like kicking his feet and sitting in the tree about to hang himself from what it looked like uh-huh. is the fact that it there's not outwardly this level of desperation or sadness or, you know, he's not having a breakdown and this is, he's just like, well, I mean, it, it, something about that was, incredibly disturbing to me no i agree and so the fact that hess is like no like let's go inside and so he can finally like strip down that layer and you know be snotty and and outwardly disgusting and kind of bear what's going on is a little more palatable to me uh-huh. not not visually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not visually no, no, let's no. be clear yeah. but uh-huh. you get what i'm saying i do i do yeah but Maida continues that the victim didn't want to die but the murderer of course felt differently He grabs his own hair, describing how he held a knife to his own neck, but he just couldn't do it. He said it was like a cat and mouse game, but the killer let the victim go. Thunder rumbles outside as the camera surveys the gothic architecture of the house in the stillness of the night. Hess is fast asleep in bed, but a shadow approaches his bedside and hangs over him for a moment. Framed in red light, Maida raises an axe over Hess and brings it down, somehow missing him entirely. I'm glad he missed, but how did he miss? Yeah, I, I don't, no I don't know. I don't know. And I would say top five worst ways to be woken up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, God, like this night has taken such a horrible yes. turn and it yeah. just keeps getting it's worse. Like it started with a horrible story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the offenses have not stopped. No. <laughs> 
But the music grows frantic as Hess switches on his lamp and tussles with Maida. At one point, Maida goes all dead weight and jelly bones as he's thrown over the bed. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) But I also thought it was funny that mid-fight, Hess is like, I'm going to switch his lamp on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got to see whose ass I'm kicking. (laughs) That was was pretty funny. It was. The whole little fight was. (laughs) There were some choices made. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) they tumble over the side of the bed and Maida gains the upper hand. He grabs the ceremonial dagger that we saw earlier and he stabs Hess three times. Overcome with the horror of what he's just done, Maida collapses into Hess's bed. This is when, okay, because when this whole thing started with him attacking him with an axe, uh-huh. this is another dream in my mind. Because the way that we left Maida, I didn't think that he had this in him. I was, no. I just wasn't expecting this. And so this is another dream, whatever. But then it continues, and then we follow Maida as you know the night goes on. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Oh no, that <laughs> that happened." What? Yeah, I for me, I was just like, "Damn, you had insult to injury. You stabbed the guy, then you're gonna sleep in his bed." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, was. I like, want the master bedroom. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> is that what this was about? This yeah. is so rude. Yeah, like, it is so rude. I and then he continues using his shit as yeah. the night goes on. Uh-huh. I'm like, you don't need this paper. <laughs> <laughs> I okay so for the record this is where I was going to say on commentary what Chiz Schultz had said he said I have no idea why Maida attacked Hess this night it is clearly connected to what everything we see later right right but a lot of critics were saying I don't know when Hess is made vampire right if you follow the text at the beginning it seems like when he was in what I would imagine to be Murthia, yes. yeah. this is when a stranger stabbed him with a ceremonial dagger. He became a vampire, which is why Luther is explaining everything. Right, yes. right. He's sitting in the back of the car looking like he's wanting blood. A vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's staring like a vampire. at blood. He's pining for he's blood. He's like, yeah. hey, pull over. That guy's got blood on his face. And yeah. they go. At dinner, he's talking about blood. Yeah. yeah. And so you would think that everything that had happened had happened already. And so some critics <laughs> I read from the American Film Institute and this made me laugh out loud. Oh no. They were like, some people think that he already was a vampire, which explains Luther's things. And then this extra stabbing is just a coincidence. <laughs> Well, that's Whoa. why I was like, but, God, but this then, man cannot stop getting stabbed. No. And, and so, the fact that there is no blood. Yes. And yeah. later what we see, it's like, well, maybe, fuck, maybe it was. Yeah. I thought, and I don't want to give anything away for what happens in a minute, but in my mind, Maida thinks that he's killing him, not realizing yes. that this thing has already happened to him. Yeah. Because there is no blood. And as the film goes on, we see that people are fucking full of blood. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, like are. there's yeah. copious amounts of blood. Why did Hess not bleed? I don't know. Because <laughs> he was turned. I mean, I, yeah, because he was already a vampire. I, I get, I get it. Maybe if he was, then when he didn't realize that he had turned. Uh huh. So when Maida killed him, then he's like, "Wait, what the fuck?" So you know you're what I mean? you're thinking that Hess doesn't realize. Yeah, he doesn't realize what happened. But that that already did because, happen. Yeah. Right? Because in my mind, that already happened. Well, because of something that's said later, uh-huh. maybe that's like, oh, okay, maybe this is now when he realizes it. Uh huh. 
you know, in this whole little scene going on. <laughs> so he was just coincidentally stabbed with, with the same <laughs> well, dagger. Yeah. So and then he's but just he, like, oh shit. <laughs> he's just been like, why do I want blood all the time? <laughs> but I mean, oh. I don't uh, I mean, I'm just trying to, Fuck. I'm trying to fit pieces. Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> I, no, that, that, this is a big sticking point for me because we're told at the beginning, or I, I won't say explicitly told, but I would say led to believe that this happened pre-film. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like you're catching us up to where we are now at the beginning of the film. Right. So, but then from now on, you're, y'all are acting like this just happened right now. Yeah. So I was very confused by that. I have the perfect way to solve it, and it's don't have Maida stab Hess three times. Yeah. Yeah. Just have him stab no, him yeah, the yeah. once, this maybe? This is just like another coincidental Yeah. <laughs> Why does everyone stab me dagger? three times? <laughs> <laughs> but we then immediately cut to Maida typing a poem on Hess's typewriter. After finishing it, he reads it. It says, To the black male children, philosophy is a prison. It disregards the uncustomary things about you. The result of individual thought is actionable only to itself. There is a dreadful need of man to teach, but it destroys the pure instinct to learn. The navigator learns from the stars. The stars teach nothing. The sun opens the mind and sheds light on the flowers. The eyes shame the pages of any book. Gesture destroys concept. Involvement mortifies vanity. You are the despised of the earth. That is as if you were water in the desert. To be adored on this planet is to be a symbol of success and you must not succeed on any terms because life is endless. You are as nameless as a flower. You are a child of Venus, and her natural affection is lust. She will touch your belly with her tongue, but you must not suffer in it. For love is all there is, and you are cannon fodder in its defense. It's a beautiful poem. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's sad. It did give me goosebumps. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we're no, snapping. Yeah, yeah. You don't, yeah. yeah, you don't applaud a poem, no, yeah, a poem yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You, not, you not one that good. Um, it gave me goosebumps. Uh huh. I was like, also though, what the fuck is going on? Well, I felt like what I'm trying to gain from this poem is I feel like it is kind of what those critics were saying about the artist versus industry. Okay, right. Of him saying and maybe even discussing commodification in a way. Like water in the desert. Yeah. I get it. There's right. there's so much symbolism to be dissected. Like I feel like there could be another forty five minutes of us going line by line oh, of that no, poem yeah. and saying what it yeah. could mean. I just is he another professor? I believe so. I'm like this yeah, is Yeah, because he's his, his assistant. Yeah. This is, you you in your mind uh -huh. have just murdered Hess and then you sit down and this is what pours out of you. Uh huh. Like, I mean, I feel it's it's just very sad. It's just really sad. And you're writing this poem through the lens of two black boys. Uh-huh. And you've just murdered a black man. I mean, I, I it's, it's, it, again, <laughs> I feel like I'm like a, a literature teacher, like with my cardigan or something. Well, We're talking a lot about duality today, guys. <laughs> like, what? Shit. The, you know, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, there I feel like this is so rich, and maybe it it means, or the object or the significance is clearer to somebody a lot smarter than myself. Oddly, it, and bear with me because the source doesn't sound like it's logical, but oh, it makes no. sense. <laughs> okay. In the beginning of the song "Burn" by Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> 
There is a quote from a film that I do not know. All right. But the quote says, beware of those who seek to control our bodies and our minds for the academic world dehumanizes us. It does. And that it feels in line with this as well. Okay. And I know the source. <laughs> I do appreciate you I, warning us. I, I said, it's just like that Rob Zombie song. <laughs> Like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it does. And I feel like it it dulls edges and it kind of fits everybody into this little, you know. Yes. It, it does have the ability to do that for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I would love again. And that's the other thing they said in all the cuts of this film. This was never in it. And so huh. whenever they finally. The yes. They, this is one of the scenes that they had to go because the Museum of Modern Art Bill Gunn gave them a full print of the original film that he envisioned. Yeah. They had it. And so when they're coming back to piece it all together in the 90s, this scene is one of the ones that they were missing. So that's why it looks very different from the rest of the film. Yeah. Okay. Because it wasn't as processed as everything else because it was never in the film. Oh, all right. All it's right. kind of an outtake. Yeah. Yeah. But when you think about it, it feels like if you're, it's literally, it's almost like I don't think they like water. It is. <laughs> it's the director telling you yeah. he's in his own film and he's telling you what's going yeah. on. <laughs> so, oh, I mean. Oh, man. This was pre M night. Yes. Huh? Bill Gunn is the original. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, y'all are talking shit. That just makes me like it even more. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate this. Maybe if yeah, M. Night had written a poem, I'd like it more. <laughs> but again, with the water, water in a desert. Maybe that's yeah. a miracle, but unappreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I mean, uh, there's yeah. a lot to be said. You know, I just, I, I read a tweet. It doesn't really have anything to do with this, but it reminded me of it. Was it by Rob? Zombie? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying that um, the majority of people that are found uh, dead from dehydration in the desert have water on them, but they're afraid to drink it yeah. because they don't know if they'll find more. And that, I don't know, again, it kind of makes me think it's it's interestingly tied to this in a weird yeah. way. So, I mean... God this, damn. It's deep as fuck. Right, right. And I don't even think I understand the full depth of it. No. No. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. Rob Zombie tried. <laughs> we're well, we're doing more you want. Yeah, we're doing our best. <laughs> But Maida gathers all the pages together before going to take a bath. The camera hangs overhead as he sits upright in the water, brushing his teeth in front of a handheld mirror, and he rinses himself in the bathwater. All right. Now this is... Now this is with the toothbrush. Yeah. Well, he also, like, fucking... No, like, yeah. To slurp up the bathwater. It's the worst thing he's done. Yeah. yeah. It's like Gwen Stefani was just going to wash it. You're eating <laughs> yeah. it. Or drinking it, I guess, technically. I... Uh, <laughs> This was disturbing. <laughs> I was, your ass is in there, dude. You yeah. just washed your body, your hair. You haven't even gone to sleep, so it's <laughs> no, unscratched. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So don't do that. Your... There's flakes and shit in the water. Oh. There. The flakes. Look, turn on the faucet. You're right there. Uh-huh. Turn around. Run your toothbrush under the water in there. Really? You can get some water from there. Really? You're, you're in the bathroom. Now, that's disgusting. If this were a shower, no, yeah, yeah. Fine. Different. Let the let the shower yeah. head run the water on you. Okay, cool. Don't you slurp that up? <laughs> he like did that. It's not that was soup. So gross. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> well, I mean, technically it is, but oh yeah, I didn't like not, not, uh, not anyone. I didn't know. like. I didn't like Vince Vaughn brushing his teeth with the cup in no, fucking the cell. That this was, was dangerous. Yeah, this was yeah. That was Russian roulette. 
this is just this is too much. Got a 50-50 shot of ruining your day. <laughs> this is beyond the pale. But Mena steps out naked, kneeling in front of a full-length mirror and staring at his own reflection as he raises his gun that we saw earlier to his heart. He breathes heavily as we find Hess sitting in his bed, listening to a blues record as if he wasn't just stabbed three times. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's like, that was weird. So <laughs> even, even, if, <laughs> even, if you're, even if you're operating under the context of, oh, he was a vampire, but he didn't know it yet. Uh-huh. I feel like you would have a bigger reaction yes. to yeah. even, what you just experienced. <laughs> even more, he stands up and walks over to a mirror where he sees that his wounds are gone and his chest is completely healed. He's too calm. Yeah. And you can see your reflection. So again, you hear him in there rolls. in the tub. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, it's, it's so is he writing room. a poem in there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, wait, this is my song. I gotta I'll 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 check it out after I finish this. This is great. This is really great. Um, I think that's the thing that did confuse me is that if it is like you're saying and like some of the critics were saying, and it's possible that he was just double vamped yeah then this is i guess his discovery of all that it entails right he could have just thought that maybe it was a desire for blood and then he's like holy shit i'm immortal yeah that's different yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not the well, norm. That's, well, that's different huh. he's taking it very well i yeah. can't die huh. would you look at a thing like that yeah <laughs> but i guess it, i mean it it it, I guess it would just make it makes a little more sense because I was confused too at the beginning of the movie. Yes, with the subtitles or with the intro card. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like, no, this happened now. What did it happen now or before? Or is he finding out now that he's a vampire or that he can't yeah. die or can like what? I don't. Well, the fact that Luther knew the whole story before he even met. That's the thing. Yeah, I was real hung up on that. Yeah, like, I'm very hung up on that. <laughs> I'm just laughing about earlier. So I drive a vampire, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's one of cool. my gigs. Yeah, yeah. very it cool. It seemed like it. Yeah. Like and the he, whole beginning of it, they knew. He even seemed like he was in turmoil in the back seat. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess as funny as it sounded that it's just like, oh, what a dink. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe he was murdered twice. Yeah. That's wild. It's even stranger because we when we meet Maida, uh-huh. whether or not it happened in real life, we do get the visual of him with the gun. Yes. So the axe and the knife are kind of left field. Yeah. yeah. But, you that know, where do you get that axe? Just around. <laughs> <laughs> but in the bathroom, Maida pulls the trigger, collapsing to the floor with blood pouring from his mouth. Hess hears this and stumbles into the room to find Maida's body. He picks up the phone to call 911 but is overtaken by his own desire when he sees the blood pooling on the floor. As the camera twists around Maida's body, and we get shots of old paintings and religious iconography, including a crucifix that was behind Maida, hmm. which now sits in the bath, Yeah, Hess drinks Maida's blood from the bathroom tiles. It does look like a like a bisque. Oh, yes. Yeah. In my mind, I was calling it blisk. <laughs> <laughs> it's tomato soup, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I know. Um, they said, but, and I get this because it's, if you're already putting yourself there as the character of Hess. Yeah, yeah. They said that Dwayne Jones had a lot of trouble doing this. No. They said watching the blood, I quote unquote blood, 
pour from Maida's body and him having to lean down and drink it from the floor. Well, the bathroom floor is nasty. Yeah, yeah too. I was going to say. It's just yeah. as bad as bathwater. He's like, were they, you brushing uh, your teeth? <laughs> 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 is, is any of that in this blood? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, they did say, they said that uh, he got violently ill the first time they did it. Oh. And so they had to do it several times. Yeah. And he does it a few times, but it's not, sometimes it's just in a, in a glass. Yeah. Which makes it a lot easier. Yeah. 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 As far as vampires are concerned. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have it in a bowl with a spoon. Yes, that's all I'm asking. And a grilled cheese on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. But um, this is the first of him drinking blood in the whole film. Right. So I don't know if he was trying to control the desires earlier. Mm-hmm. He was literally trying to do the right thing. And yeah. Call, the, call an ambulance. Yes. Yeah. And then his own desire took over and he's like, fuck that. And he drinks. Yeah, it's a quick little come up right here. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. did. It didn't. Um, oh, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you're not going to eat it, yeah. I mean. It, yeah. it wasn't lost on me as well that he served Maida a delicious meal earlier in the night. And now Maida is doing oh, the same for very him. Very good. Very oh, good. All right. I'm still laughing at the niche Impractical Jokers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, y'all. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of irony. Yeah. He's like, this, this is a good meal. <laughs> you were right. But in the light of the morning, Hess stumbles out into a field in his bathrobe and kneels down to pray. The entire scene darkens and we get a shot of a very real eclipse that actually happened while they were filming the scene. Hell yeah. That is yeah. bad nice. On commentary, Hinton was like, you can't plan this. Oh no. You really can't. The way that it darkens, it seemed like it was done in post, but it was literally the eclipse. That's amazing. And when you think about Hess and where his life is going from here, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's... Wow. Hell yeah. Brilliant. That's luck. Yes. Yeah. We love a film with an eclipse. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should cover another one soon. Like Twilight? Oh. No. no, not that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe They're another vampires, one. Right? Yeah, they are vampires, technically. <laughs> <laughs> technically. Technically. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Hess doesn't have fangs. Yeah. No. So there's a lot of what you assume because again, even at that let's let's say that this is the moment that he became a vampire. Okay. Right. He's still out in the sun for yeah. the rest of the film. And he has a reflection. Yeah. And he has a reflection. He doesn't have fangs. Like the again, it's like the yeah, this is a vampire movie, but like when you think vampires, all those boxes that you check, uh-huh. you're not getting that here. Yeah. So like it is, but it isn't. Yeah, I feel like to me that's why it feels so original because they're like, you know, we're not doing what's been done. Yeah. yeah. With really anything. Anything. Yeah. yeah. And so any aspect. It's pretty unique in that way. But it also feels like um, almost like we talked about with the cell, like the detective element seemed like his least favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the vampire yeah. element. Yeah. <laughs> that was just like, Gun's yeah, whatever. Like, All right, shit. But really, though. <laughs> I'll put it, yeah. <laughs> if I have to. But in the middle of Hess's prayer, he is filled with sorrow and he screams loudly holding his head in his hands, but he collects himself, his brow furrowed in determination. So is this torment over the drinking of the blood or is this like, is he grieving? Because there's a lot of emotionally to unpack with this night with Maida. Yes. Not only what he did to himself, but he also died thinking that he killed Hess. Oh, he did. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I don't me, know. I feel like it's probably what's the word, an amalgamation of all of it. Yeah, okay. where it's kind of like that. That was a wild night. <laughs> Some not so <laughs> Some, chill things yeah. happened last night. But also, him like imagine if you found out not only are you immortal, 
but you have an almost unquenchable desire to drink blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's him realizing in that moment that he needs more. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, fuck, what am I even going to do? A thing like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the next scene, Hess leans back in a hospital room where a nurse readies his arm for a blood draw. In the lower third, we get text reading part two, survival. When the nurse leaves the room, Hess sets off a fucking explosive in the garbage can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just we lights love it a in. man with a plan. And he had he one. He went in there knowing. Yeah, no. <laughs> the staff rushes to sort it out, but Hess heads right past them into the blood bank, collecting bags upon bags of blood and stashing them in a satchel as fairly upbeat music plays. Yeah, I really loved the music here. Yeah. And I was like, this is a good idea. You can only do this once. Yeah. 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 Here. Well, at this clinic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 70s. I'm sure you could hit a bunch of clinics with before they start. <laughs> yeah. They steal your blood too? <laughs> Just hit different jurisdictions. Yes. Yeah. And this, again, reminds me of the first steps taken in Thirst. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's more a matter of, well, if I can live like this. I feel like this. Yeah, I can okay, I okay. can find a way to do it humanely. Yeah. yeah. Which is still fucked up because there are people who are going to need that blood and you're just yeah. sitting at home drinking <laughs> it. It's still fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is the more humane way right. of uh-huh. the ways that we could be getting the blood. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy this little sequence here. Yeah. yeah. A lot more upbeat, like you said. Uh, him throwing the cherry bomb in the fucking... <laughs> in the <laughs> trash can and like, then just like don't Simpson? mind me. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I did enjoy this. Uh-huh. I won't I will say that the rest of the movie does not feel like this. No. Um so not that it was a bummer for me, but I was looking forward to a little more of this. There there are a lot of switches in tone. Yeah. And as soon as you're like, "Oh, okay, like this is what Oh, never mind." Like yeah. that happens a few times. And like, "No, we're done." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're done with that part. That's enough. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> sorry, all right. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I liked it. That's <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "My bad." Got too comfortable. I didn't. <laughs> no, that's my fault. <laughs> but Hess proudly leaves the clinic heading into the city. A bus passes by with the word "Liberty" on the back of it, and the camera follows it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know we were going to be in Liberty City. <laughs> I was like, oh, this Y'all makes sense. Y'all should have cool. said yeah. something. <laughs> I, I did want to say where the scene was actually filmed. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was filmed in Ossining, New York, which is where the Drapers live on Mad Men. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to, of course, say that. I, I couldn't not point that out. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but we then cut to what appears to be a garden party on Hess's property a poetess played by Betsy Thurman holds the hand of Enrico Hess's son played by Enrico fails reciting poetry. The way that this was very, um, again, we're running from, we're running with the satchel full of blood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to this. It felt like he was watching a movie. Yeah. On, and the yeah. way it looks very different. <laughs> they cut yes. to him in his seat, like sipping the blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put it in the cup. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's Nobody going to know. Sneak it in. Yeah. And I'm like, he has a son. Yeah, that had never been. No. no. There was no picture. So was he nope. like in a, I thought this was like a boarding school and I, he was visiting him. I thought it was until we see all the people there. Yeah. And it's like, this is a party. Yeah. Wait, so you're telling you're telling me you brought George Maida to your house the night before <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, that yeah. party I have tomorrow. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck, I planned a whole party. So it's like- I gotta stock yeah. up on blood and then yes. we'll set up. We'll then set we'll up. figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we'll set up. The booth can go there. <laughs> <laughs> But um, one thing I didn't want to point out because I was looking at the cast of the film. Right. 
Enrico Fales is the son of Josephine Premise, who was a Haitian-American Broadway star. Mm-hmm. And she's actually an extra in this scene. You can spot her. Oh, I love that. Around the party. Um, another thing, though, is that Enrico's sister is Susan Fales Hill, who was the lead writer for A Different World. Hell okay, yeah. There you go. So a showbiz family. Yeah. I loved nice. A Different World. Well, she was the best. <laughs> <laughs> But the poetess's poem is interrupted when Hess arrives and Enrico heads over to him. Hess checks in on his son's schooling, asking how his French lessons are going and getting an example of his progress when Enrico is able to carry a full-on conversation in French. Enrico fiddles around with a Swiss army knife, Hess describing the parts of it in French, proud that his son is able to understand and converse. So I did read that Dwayne Jones was not only an English literature professor, but a French one as well. Wow. Right. So it's possible that he is straight up fluent in French. Yeah. What a fucking badass, yeah, yeah. dude. Very cool. I will say, too, huh. being young and having one of those Swiss Army knives was the fucking pits, <laughs> man. That thing was great. I, I don't think I ever had one, but I can imagine. Like, no, you need a can open? I yeah, got, I got don't everything even, you need. Don't even worry about <laughs> it, You want to clip your nails, too? I got, <laughs> I got just the fucking thing. Oh, uh, yeah. They had everything on there. <laughs> but after he snags his son a ginger ale, he walks away toward the house, the camera pressing in on him until everything goes blurry. He heads inside as the party continues outside, the Merthian rhythm and chants repeating in his head, accompanied by a low buzz as he pours himself a glass of blood in the kitchen. I was like, dude, you're bold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are bold. I, I, wanted, I wanted to say first, I love the overhead shot of the blood in the glass. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. But I was thinking the same thing. Someone's like, hey, is your pisser? <laughs> <laughs> your pisser? Yeah, well, I don't know. This is an upscale party. Maybe. Yeah. It's your restroom. <laughs> so I'm guessing when he's feeling the thirst, is this is kind of what's going on in his head? Yeah. Okay. I think it's, it's through the dagger. Right. I guess connecting back to ancient times right right and so he hears that and i guess he feels at one with the people who suffered in the same way right didn't the last film you cover have an ancient dagger in it i can't stop (laughs) (laughs) why do we keep doing this what is going on (laughs) but sometime later the sun beams through the trees outside as hess rounds a corner on the road in the rolls royce the car passes a large cemetery before we cut to hess entering a bar pimp played by Tommy Lane, clad in all purple, sits with Girl in Bar, played by Candace Tarpley in a blonde wig. We don't hear the beginning of the conversation, but the girl says that she'll do it, and when the pimp asks her when, she promises today. You guys do realize you're speaking at full volume, yeah. right? <laughs> And it's clear it's nefarious. Because they're yeah. talking about a big take. Yeah. That I'm like, shh. Shouldn't we be doing this? Shouldn't we have done this before we came to the bar? <laughs> Planned this ahead? Right, it's why nothing's working. We could hear you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fu- Nobody's going to fall for it. fall for it. No. But he's like, today when? This hour or what? But she promises that she'll make a big take today. She says she can feel it. Hess walks past a group of smoking men to use the restroom, and when he leaves, the men claim to have checked Hess, saying that they know where he lives. Another man says that Hess could have a gun tied to his leg, and they wouldn't even know. They called it a Roscoe, and I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love old slang. It's so cool. They knew better than to say anything to him. Yeah, they did. They felt it. They were like, yeah, he's cool. They they got quiet. Yeah. It's like he has a vampire energy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that dude's a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fuck with him. Yeah, no. 
But Hess walks back into the bar proper, just as the pimp says that if they're going to the derby, they'll need cash. The girl says that she'll take care of it soon, but he's growing impatient, forcing her to find someone now. Hess sits smoking a cigarette as she approaches him, walking back and forth to get his attention. She finally breaks the ice, asking Hess if he knows a girl named Dolores Kincaid. She says that he looks just like a boyfriend Dolores used to have before she moved to Seattle. None of this is familiar to Hess at all, but she claims to have seen him with Dolores at the Apollo. The girl then launches into a story about a screaming child that lives downstairs from her, and she says that she called the police about it, but before she can finish the story, Hess just tells her to sit down. He's like, this is enough with the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I've heard already too many fucking yeah. stories earlier. <laughs> That's all that was. <laughs> She's like, so I yelled, cut. Yeah. And, He's and like, the police you, thought I said. Do you know a guy named Maida? He's stealing his story. John Shooter over here. Fucking... <laughs> They Okay, so they said that this was shot in a real bar that was eventually shut down. Okay. But Gunn's intention of shooting this and having Hess in what they called a seedy location is to show that he would never normally go to a place like this, considering he was just at that garden party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're saying that this is to show where his addiction is leading him. Again, duality. Yes. You know? But I feel like it would work better if we... <laughs> are you laughing at me? <laughs> you know? I feel like it would work better if we maybe knew Hess a little bit better and knew that th- this is yeah, not a place that you would I, go. I this, don't know that. Because this, you can yeah. still be a French-speaking professor and a professional man and, and still go to, go a, to a bar from yeah, time to time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know this that. This could literally be his spot that he goes yeah. to. Exactly. I don't know his, that about uh, him. Like a hideout. Yeah. Oh, there's a little hole in the wall. All right. Best service. Leave me alone. I can hang out in the back and drink. Yes. They make my drink how I like it. Yeah. You know, we don't know. They do. There's something that comes up later that I think is better portrayed. Okay. um, Along these same lines. But yeah, not knowing enough about Hess. Yeah. This could just be where he goes. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed at home in the booth. He was just hanging out. (laughs) He seemed very comfortable. Yeah. He even told her to sit down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is the most comfortable one. (laughs) But we cut to them in a bright bedroom, both still in their clothes, but in slight states of undress. The girl takes off her wig and runs her fingers through her hair as she sits next to Hess, who reclines on the bed. The girl laughs as Hess pulls her closer and they begin to kiss. I was like, okay, Hess. Yeah. I I felt like I knew what was going on. Right. From his point of view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she pulls him away from the bed, putting his back to the door and we hear Merthian chants take over the soundtrack. But before Hess can continue with whatever he had planned, the pimp emerges from out of nowhere, stabbing Hess in the back with the blade. How many times must a man get stabbed <laughs> before you can call him a man? Yeah. <laughs> Just the luck. Too many. Yeah. It's yeah. too many. And clearly they were looking for a mark. I thought that they were going to rob him. I didn't. I was not no. expecting. I wasn't I wasn't either. expecting this. I was very upset. I yeah. He was just trying to get it in. Yeah, well, he, get in. Shit. Well, he was shit. He was he was trying to get his teeth in. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you guys for agreeing with me. I when the Murthian chant starts, it's like, oh, he's gonna eat this girl. He's gonna drain her. Well, I mean, he was trying to drain, but oh, you know. oh no. no, this is going places I hadn't. <laughs> I didn't prepare. It was an ambush. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't prepare. Back to- I, just wasn't, I just wasn't expecting no. it to no. jump to this. When he stabbed he came, him. 
out with the like, yeah. he came yeah. out to stab I him. I literally gasped. Yeah. When he got stabbed in the back, I said, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> because I Nobody. don't know. And the thing is, is I feel ridiculous because they. Li- <laughs> They literally were telling their plan. Yeah, but again, before. I yeah, thought that they were gonna rob somebody. I didn't think that they were gonna kill someone and then take their shit. Well, plot twist, because no shit. Yeah. But the men tussle as the blade finds a home in Hess's abdomen, and the girl screams, "Kill him!" <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? I was like, Dude. I'm playing both sides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can just rob him, you know? Yeah. yeah. But Hess gains control of the situation, whipping the pimp's ass down the hall and into an adjacent bedroom. The girl grabs a nearby gun, firing shots into Hess, who just eats them like an appetizer, before charging the girl, (laughs) pulling her back into the other room and making her his entree. Doesn't he like... Very good. No, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't he throw one of them over his, with his legs? He or does. Something? I'm not going <laughs> to say they deserved this, but if this was a Dexter-style vampire situation, they really were... They did. You know, yeah. you went looking for trouble and you found it. Oh, yeah. There was also... I don't know if you caught this because it was very split, mm-hmm. but when she goes to fire the gun and Hess gets shot... Yeah. There is a shot of Maida aiming down sights of his pistol. Mm. And I don't know what that means. Huh. Why that's here. Yeah. I hoped you guys could help me. I, I was going to say maybe it's like a like culminating everything that he's been through. Maybe. It reminds him. But did he see that? No, but he imagined it before he even met Maida. Are vampires clairvoyant? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> is that the power we didn't know? I know they can glamour and shit, but I don't know about all that. Yeah. What do you what? think? <laughs> <laughs> I did want to. Okay. So Tommy Lane, he, he is the guy that played the pimp. Yeah. He also did stunts on this film and he did all his own stunts. Oh, nice. There was another stunt man named Tony King. And for whatever reason, when they were doing this, he begged them. He said, please. <laughs> oh, no. He said, please. Throw me out the window and let me do a backflip. <laughs> and they said, no, that's not hey, this film. He's a stuntman. He was like, please, he, like, yeah. I can like, do more. I can yeah. Please. yeah, but he kept begging and they told him no. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's dude. I mean, that's like, kind of sad, it's, actually. It's always a no if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Closed mouths don't get fed. You got to ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> but in the aftermath... Hess slices the jugular vein of the pimp and just sits and watches as blood spurts out of his neck and collects on the ground. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah. It the, did. The like pulsating. Yeah. yeah. I, I really was surprised, especially with the way that a lot of things have looked so far. Yeah. The budget, the blood, obviously it didn't look like blood. Yeah. But the ability to do that. Yeah. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. But Hess imagines walking through a long hall where once again, we see Jack dressed in a tuxedo with a silver mask and white gloves. At the end of the hall is a large statue of a man sculpted out of black marble. Hess, in reality, stumbles over the bodies of the pimp and the girl into the restroom where he promptly vomits and the Merthian rhythms reach a crescendo. Same. Like, I get it. Well, yeah, I mean. That was a lot. <laughs> and we, uh, he had to switch gears real quick. Uh-huh. You know, that just sucks. <laughs> it does. Well, yeah, it's he's not like, fair. oh, wait, I'm getting murdered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. What? I asked for the little death, not the big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought that the shot in the hall was interesting. Yeah. Seeing Jack again 
and seeing the statue because the statues that we saw at the beginning were white and Greek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there's a black statue of black marble hmm. and it's far away from him. Yeah. So I'm like, what, you know? It mm. means something. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what? <laughs> but in the next scene, we find Hess in a field near his home, kneeling in the grass, and we get text at the lower third reading, part three, letting go. We then see a woman using a pin to dial on a rotary payphone outside of the airport and see a corresponding shot of a phone ringing in Hess's parlor. When he answers it, Ganja Maida, played by Marlena Clark, is on the other end. Marlena Clark was actually in Gunn's previously unreleased film called Stop. Okay. And he wrote another film that she was also in before this one. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they've been working together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we'd love to see it. Yeah. Yes. But she asks Hess where her husband is, and when he responds that he has no way of knowing who her husband is... Ganja explains that her husband is George Maida and asks repeatedly where he is in a very no-nonsense sort of way. Not George Maida. Yeah, I know. I like, fuck. <laughs> I, what's funny to me is that him saying, I, I have no idea of knowing, but my mind would immediately go, yeah. the guilt <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. would oh, be massive. Immediately. So of course we're thinking, but he's like, um, and who is your and husband? And who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who the fuck are you? He's like, I, look, I, it's been a while. I've killed a lot of husbands. <laughs> <laughs> But Hess, however, doesn't really care about her urgency or her tone of voice and just tells her that George Maida is no longer here before hanging up. You can't possibly think that's going to oh, no. satisfy. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess I'll uh, leave it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> no. Yeah. Absolutely over it, though. Ganja immediately calls Hess back. When he answers it, Ganja is much calmer, telling him that she already called the museum and they said that George was at his house. She tells him plainly, you put him on the phone. I don't want no more of this shit. I get it. I mean, well, and he he did just hang up on her. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Hess tries to reason with her, saying that he's had a very difficult morning, (laughs) which who gives a fuck? (laughs) I'm looking for my husband. Look, I did not sleep well last night. (laughs) But Ganja retorts that she's had a very fucking difficult six months. And I was like, that survival chapter was six months long? Yeah. Yeah, So that was my question. Has he like been traveling and working for six months or it's been six months since that night when he died? I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, would it take six months for you to be like, where's my husband? (laughs) Where is Georgia? That's That's weird. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) (laughs) But Hess just tells her that it's impossible to talk to Mr. Maida now because he's disappeared. That. (laughs) Yeah. That's not. Yeah. Why would you say that, dude? You're you're like, now you can't talk to him because there's a mystery that you need to solve. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not good. No. He was here. Yeah. He disappeared. (laughs) And the clues can only be found (laughs) at my mansion. Yeah. But Ganja is shocked to hear this at first. But then she just says, George the freak. I knew it. But she says that he'll be back. He's just gone crazy again, but he'll return. Poor George. That's really sad. Yeah. But this is when Ganja levels with him. She says she just flew in from Amsterdam and boy, are her arms. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> she actually says that she doesn't have any money for a decent hotel. Her arms are fine. <laughs> 
But she says, considering that he has a room there, she asks if she can stay with Hess for a few days and wait for him. Hess asks where she is, and she tells him that she's at the goddamn airport. I, we haven't seen her face yet. Yeah. But I'm already feeling so much character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, I feel like, injects the film with so much energy. Absolutely. That it's very strange that it, this is like 50 minutes into the film. Yeah. That we meet the ganja yeah. of ganja and Hess. Yeah. yeah. And I... <sighs> I go back and forth. I'm like, I don't know if I love you or if I fucking hate you. Cause she says shit. That's like, ri- like Madeline Ashton ridiculous. Yes. And I'm like, I love you. Uh-huh. And then she'll, she does shit later. Well, I'm like, no, that's yeah. It's 50, <laughs> 50. It's yeah. But Hess asks to know exactly where she is so he can send a limousine. And she tells him that she's standing in front of the Pan American. And she says that the driver can't miss her because she's valuable come on man yeah i love that (laughs) i said new favorite character just dropped (laughs) but she then hangs up the phone with her ringed hand i uh i thought that was fucking hilarious yes first why did you answer again when she called you back you knew it was her (laughs) you knew it was her i didn't even think you knew she you hung up on her uh-huh. yellow <laughs> well i was laughing because he's like well they don't have caller id yet yeah it could be someone else no it could Hello? be you know? <laughs> but sometime later hess waits outside as the limousine pulls up the driver snags ganja's belongings for her and she steps out in a black dress pearls and fur she stares at Hess for a while before slamming the door, walking right past him and telling him to tell his boss that she's here. Oh. Yeah. Still like her? No. Well, yeah. that's, that's a strike. <laughs> this is a strike and then the big strike comes in a oh, little bit yeah. where I'm like, oh, you're, <laughs> no, you're and a fucking asshole. Yeah. There's a strike at the end that you're like, you're like really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but she stops dead in her tracks when Hess tells her that he is Dr. Green she just laughs embarrassed before asking if he can show her where she can get changed it's very awkward oh yeah Yeah. first impressions yeah but later Ganja is changed and refreshed heading downstairs to meet Hess by the fireplace March Blues by Mabel King plays on the record player as Hess pours them each a glass of wine I thought it was very interesting because it's easy to put music made by the actors in the film. Yeah. But when you have them technically fully meeting for the first time and the song on the record is played by the actress who plays the Murthian Queen. Huh. That's oh, all right. very interesting. Yeah. Pretty interesting. It seems purposeful. Yes. But they toast together and then sit down for a chat. Ganja tells Hess about a friend of hers who was a ballet dancer and went to Mexico to dance at the Palace of Fine Arts. She says her friend came up with a fantastic and ingenious idea before he came back, though. He bought some weed in Mexico, rolled it up in a prophylactic until it was about the size of a suppository. And folks, we know where this is going. Right. It's funny to me because she acts like he invented this. (laughs) She's really thrilled about it. If you'll believe this, (laughs) suspend your disbelief for a moment. (laughs) But... He also put on four pairs of shorts to try and block the smell of the drugs from the dogs at the airport. She laughs about it, saying that it takes a very heavy cat to come up with something like that. 
poor Hess is like, why are y'all telling me these fucking stories? So do all. She's like smoking a joint. Yeah. yeah. So he's just mad. He's smoking butt weed. That's why he's like, oh man. He's like, this is where you fucking. God have damn. It's like, okay. Is, I got a cross. Is this from this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Marlena Clark said that she made this up on the spot for the scene. I love yeah. that. And you love to hear it. That's funny. They said there was a lot of improv on this film. Yeah. Which surprised me yeah. because for as yeah, meticulous, specific, yeah. 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 Huh. I wouldn't think that. No. no. But she asks Hess if he agrees with her, but he gives her about the same reaction he gave Maida's story. <laughs> he just could not be bothered to give a fuck. A candle burns on a nearby table as Hess finishes off his glass of wine and sits down to smoke a cigarette. But the time passes, and very surprisingly, Ganja walks over to Hess's chair. He's now shirtless, and she pulls him over to the fireplace where they kneel down on the ground together. She lays him down, rubbing his face before they start to kiss. What the hell? Yeah. I- <laughs> what the fuck is going on? This happened so fast. Yeah. <laughs> What? She tells one bad story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Murthian chants build up slowly, and when they reach proper volume, we cut to Hess sitting up in bed as a now nude Ganja does the same, covering herself with his blankets. Hess <laughs> just jumps out of bed and takes off running. Talk about a hit and run, am yeah. I right? Wow. I, come on. <laughs> Let's keep this sophisticated. <laughs> But he pulls open the door to the attic and climbs up. After he's inside, he pulls the ladder up after him (laughs) as a now-clothed ganja follows the same path, calling after him. So at first, I was it just it was very funny as a visual to see him just take off running. Yeah, yeah, and then pull the ladder up. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, nope. Mm -mm. But it's literally he was gonna kill her. Yeah, Yeah. and he stopped himself. Yeah, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, but thunder rumbles outside as she searches the house for him. But in the attic, Hess slowly drinks a glass of blood, but it steadily turns into a guzzle until he's polished it off completely. I feel like there's some there's some scenes in this movie that make this feel almost like a silent film. Really? Yeah. Like they're just doing something. There's no dialogue like this. Yeah, he's I, just, can, he's I can see just, that. He went all the way up there and then he closed the thing. He started drinking the blood and all that. There, Other than her... There's nothing going on. Just action? It's just action. And even that, if I didn't have anything and and you, and this is black and white and there's subtitles of, oh no, or whatever, and he runs up there. Oh yeah. And she's looking for him. He's drinking the blood. I can still get that too. Yeah. Oh, he didn't want to attack her. So he ran away. Uh-huh. Like this, like that's what I'm saying. There is good visuals. Like a lot of this is like, okay, this is cool. But it's very confusing. It's it's very just like what? It's very artistic. Yes. And yes. The art artistry is it, up for a lot of interpretation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I what I thought of at first was whenever I saw him drinking the blood, I was like, he's like Mrs. Mac from Black Christmas. <laughs> he just stashes <laughs> just it got everywhere. Hidden everywhere. <laughs> but the music fades away as Ganja makes her way into the attic to find Hess knocked out on a mattress. She traces his skin with her fingers, and he's suddenly awake, returning the favor, opening her shirt, and running his hands all along her body. This quickly evolves into a passionate kiss, and as a bell chimes randomly, this grows into the two of them, making it sweet. I mean, 
Dwayne Jones, more like Dwayne Bones. Oh, right. Right. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't even ask why the fuck you ran away. Yeah. No, that's that's true. It's like, oh, here you are. Yeah. <laughs> now let's finish yeah. what we started. Now where, where are we? But are you done running uh, off? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like another year, another horny vampire flick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think we can't escape. Him. Wasn't it February when we did the last? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Dwayne Bones, I can't believe you. The well, it, was, it was right there. I can't believe that you can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but when the deed is done, they sleep next to each other on the attic mattress. Wayman said that because the only music that you hear from that point is the chime of that bell. Yeah. Very randomly, he said they was supposed to signify the electricity that they feel together. Okay. All right. So Should it like, be okay. more like yeah. a bzzz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's bees in your attic. <laughs> Can we go back to the bedroom, please? <laughs> hey, you know, why are you up here? <laughs> yeah, great question. Is that a blood bag? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that for me, this just happened way too fast. Way oh, too yeah. fast. Oh, yeah. And if the film is called Ganja and Hess, what I thought going in was this entire story would be the love story of Ganja and Hess. Yeah. And we're over halfway done with the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're just meeting and just getting them acquainted. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're rushing things. Just a little. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it only gets more rushed. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am shocked, f- frankly. <laughs> <laughs> As for me. As you can, yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. Every time you say Ganja and Hess... For some reason, I just keep thinking Hobbs and Shaw. Really? I, yeah, that's all I keep getting out of this. It sounds like a same it, thing. Yeah, right? buddy kind of. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> so they're like fighting vampires, or well, that's yeah. a sequel. <laughs> but the next morning, Hess and Ganja sit outside having breakfast together. Archie comes over to them to light Hess's cigarette, which I. I feel like that's beyond. Like you can't it's too much. It's yeah. too much. light your own, you know. And I, I will say, you know, even Hess, even though Hess is kind of like our major protagonist, he does a lot of shit that is just flat out wrong. Yeah. yeah. And it's surprising. Yeah. One thing that happens later, I'm like, am, are we still like sympathizing with you? Yeah. But Ganja asks Hess why he lives in a house this size alone, which Hess deems to be an impolite question. Ganja smiles, saying that those are the only questions worth asking. I mean, in her defense, those are the most fun questions. Yeah. I mean, okay. S- small talk or yeah. medium and large talk. Yeah. yeah. It's medium and large talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I agree. laughs> but Hess asks her a question instead of answering. What does she want now? After a moment, Ganja admits money, asking if there's anything else. The two sit together a little awkwardly as Archie brings Hess a cup of coffee. Ganja asks Archie if he ever feels overworked, which Hess also deems to be impolite. Archie quickly replies that he never does, and Ganja reminds Hess once again that impolite questions are her specialty. She says she knows more about people after asking them, but Hess asks what people know about her, aside from the fact that she enjoys asking impolite questions. Ganja replies that they know nothing about her, but then again, what is there to know about Ganja? To me, 
There's a lot to know about ganja. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would like to know it. Yeah. Why did you... Why are you okay with just coming in here, telling me a bad story, and then fucking? <laughs> I mean, what? Well, and then fucking. Well, well, I'm just well, saying. Well, at what? breakfast, I'm like, so do you live here now? Like, how yeah, much time has well, passed? She had said a uh, few days is what she asked originally. But at no point is she like, by the way, have you seen my husband? Yeah, or? my husband, though. At like, all. the reason I'm yeah. here, you know? She tells a story about, like, drugs in, yeah. the, in the butt. And then. In the butt. <laughs> and then this. Yeah. Like, they've been a it. couple for months. So it's just very jarring. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. But after a shot of roses growing in the garden, Ganja somewhat rudely asks Archie for three items, grape jelly, hominy grits, and an extension cord for a record player. This is the line for me. You're not going to fucking talk to Archie like that. I didn't like this at all. And that's when I was like, oh, you're not like playful, bitchy. Like you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Don't talk to Archie that way. That that was my note. Oh, so you're getting along with everybody. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, you're real friendly. (laughs) Got it. It was, he reacts with a mild bit of confusion because those aren't items you normally ask for. And she sarcastically repeats what she says. And she says something along the lines of a record player. Do you understand that? It's like, God damn. I'm yeah. waiting for Hess to be like, don't fucking talk yeah. to Archie that way. Hess is like, do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> you know what a record player is, yeah. Archie. <laughs> and then for me, that again, it feels like it's talking about class. Yes. And so you're like, man, there's a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. That, that bothered me a lot. Oh, yeah. Hess just sits there, though, watching all of this go down without saying a word, like we said. Ganja asks Archie how long he's been here, and he says that he came with the house. She asks if when the plumbers came in and put in the plumbing, they put him in after, but Archie doesn't respond. Later, he brings them a bowl of fruit, and in what I consider, or I would assume to be a blooper, he yeah. drops a peach from the bowl, and she's like, oh, you lost the peach, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Yeah. and they laugh. He goes, well, after she says about the peach, he goes, that was rather humorous, madam. Yeah. <laughs> and they laugh like for real, like yeah. it's real. <laughs> But she does laugh at that. But then as soon as he turns away, her face sours, which I was like, man, she just hates this yeah. dude, which I guess sets up more for later. Yeah. <laughs> which is fuck? like, oh, my I'm God. I'm still upset about it. Yes. <laughs> but Hess snags a cherry from the bowl and Ganja asks if red is his favorite color. She says she wore white today because she wore black yesterday. But if he likes red, she'll wear it for him. He tears the cherry open, admitting that he does like the color. Ganja notices the juice spilling from the cherry, commenting that it looks like blood before dipping her finger into it and sucking the juice off of it. Hess devours the cherry hungrily as Ganja just smiles and stares off into the property. So again, n- never is she like, um, by the way, George. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you like red? I'll wear red. So when was the last time you saw him? So was he staying here when he disappeared? So did you guys have a fight? Like, there's so many questions to ask. Yeah. And she's just like, I wore white for you today. Or <laughs> it's like, what? Wait, but what's but your favorite? You like she's red? just yeah. fucking berating Archie. And yeah. I'm like, what priorities? But later, Luther arrives for work and converses with Hess about a saddle for one of his horses. Ganja observes this conversation from a level above them, and Luther greets her when he notices she's watching them. When he leaves to get back to work, Hess hops into a convertible, sitting on top of the seat, and Ganja asks what he would like for dinner tonight. Hess tells her whatever she does best and that it doesn't matter as long as it doesn't have a lot of grease in it. 
out of the blue, Ganja asks if she heard Hess say that he doesn't believe in marriage, but he tells her that he never said anything like that. I was like, what? Yeah. I was very confused. Yeah. Because we've already determined that this is literally the next day. Yes. Because she said I wore black yesterday and she was wearing black yesterday. Yeah. Plus, isn't your husband still missing? Yeah. That's the important thing. You're yes. not like divorced yeah. or yeah. you're not. You're right. On paper, you're still. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But she just smiles at him as he drives away and the shot lingers on her as she ponders his answer. I will say, and I did put a note in here, I do believe you can fall in love very quickly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just know. Yeah. But for all you know, he is responsible for your husband's disappearance. Yeah. That part. And Let's an, not forget. Unless you always secretly hated George. And the first time that y'all did whatever you did, he fled from you and hid in an attic. That's a red flag. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's a red flag. That's not a common reaction. <laughs> I was going to say, even if that, even if, if she didn't like George, okay, cool. What are not cool, but you know what I mean? All right, I get it. Yeah. But you're not afraid that your husband disappeared being here. I get it. Even if you're like, all right, fuck that dude. If he's, if he's, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, if yeah, he's responsible he's for it, are you not worried at all that the same thing, the way he disappeared, it could happen, could to, happen you to you? He yeah. could literally be a serial killer. Yeah. yeah. You don't you know anything. No idea. No idea. But you're like, so marriage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Where do you where land you? on right, that? So we're fucking, uh, what? It's like, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I don't know. But later in the city, Hess arrives outside of an apartment building. A woman holding her baby, played by Tara Fields, greets Hess as he walks up the stairs. After chatting for a moment, they head inside together. I was like, aren't y'all like engaged now? Like, why are you meeting a strange woman and her baby in the city? That was technically a proposal, right? Yeah, Yeah. we're legally married. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But back at Hess's house, Archie arrives home from the store with Ganja, struggling to carry several bags of groceries inside. Ganja walks inside first and just shuts the door behind her, not helping Archie in the slightest. She let it close right in his fucking face. It was, and he was clearly struggling. No, yeah. Well, she made him fucking help her out of the car. That yeah, too. she did. Yeah. I literally paused it and I was like, there's, I was like, there's no way I'm watching this. I was like, are you fucking <laughs> no, for real, awful. dude? No, it's unbelievable. But once they're inside, they go through the bags and Ganja realizes that Archie forgot the wine. He tells her that Hess has an incredible wine cellar downstairs, but they should wait for him to return before going in because he doesn't allow anyone down there alone. It made me think of Dracula with the, I don't drink (laughs) (laughs) wine. (laughs) But incredibly impatient, Ganja says that she needs the wine and tells Archie to tell her where it is and Hess will never have to know. After a bit of reluctance, he agrees to show her. Ganja steps downstairs with a flashlight into the darkness of the cellar. Once down there, she wrenches a door open, finding jars of preserves and possibly blood. Yeah. No, it's blood. Okay. Was that, it? That's, the color has changed. Yeah. So I don't know. It's tomato juice. Yeah. <laughs> I, the second she stepped down there, I was like... When you're poking around where you're not supposed to be, uh-huh. you might see things that you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Also true. And so I'm thinking she's going to find a huge thing of blood uh-huh. that he's going to have to explain. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I like to keep my blood yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your house. I can right, do it's extra. When yeah. I need more, there it is. It's Mind yeah. your own business. Nobody's supposed to be down here. Wait, you don't have a tub of blood in your yeah, house? Right. <laughs> That's oh, I thought, weird. I right. thought y'all had money. Yeah, okay. my bad. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but after finding another door, she pulls it open, where inside she finds the frozen corpse of her husband. She screams wildly at the sight. I wasn't expecting that. No. At all. And I was also surprised that she wasn't like, oh, there's George. Yeah. Oh, well. George. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's the wine. <laughs> so you hate leaves. this dude. Yeah. But back at the apartment, the camera tilts around Hess as he gets dressed. The woman who took him inside the building lies dead under bloody sheets as her baby wails nearby. What the fuck? Hess pays this no mind as he snags his tie and leaves. Yeah. I, and you're just leaving the baby there screaming? Yeah. This is what I'm like. I Look, yeah, I, how am I supposed to pull for this dude? Exactly. <laughs> After this, he's like, tough break, baby. And then yeah. he, just, <laughs> he just leaves. That, that's fucking, that's beyond. And dude. how did he meet this woman? I know that when, before he got got by the, the lady and the pimp, she was talking about a baby screaming or a child screaming or something. Oh, yeah. So I was like, is that this? But it couldn't be this. He's not like, who, and where do you live? What's your contact <laughs> yeah. info? Who is this woman? Just uh, just some woman. A woman with baby, I believe, is her credit. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It, it was very weird. I almost took it as a dream because I was like, does this mean anything? But then, like, when he first got there, uh-huh. and I was like, what the fuck does that got to do with anything? But then this happened, and I was like, so... Is he just meeting people and killing them or what the fuck is? Yeah. For me, I think it's the timing because Uh kind of he reaches a conclusion later that I don't understand why or how. And maybe if this was placed there, that would make a little more sense to where he's like, oh, my God, look what I've stooped to. Like, I just left that fucking baby alone after I murdered and like ate his mom or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But here and then we're still following you for the rest of the movie. Yeah. What? (laughs) And he what act, the fuck? He yeah. acts like he hasn't done this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think my thing as well is I was thinking that if he needs blood that badly, I guarantee he could say, hey, Archie, can I have some blood? And he would give it to him. Archie would probably be down. Yeah, but do you want to do that? Of course not. But Archie seemed like he would do anything for Hess. He yeah. lit a cigarette. Yeah. This- fucking rude asshole lady that he brought yeah home. no yeah. i mean and i'd rather give you some of my blood than you let somebody fucking talk to me like that <laughs> I'm just saying, if these the are my blood, choices the blood is a smaller <laughs> ask and the other thing that i want to point out is it seems like he is really thinking about status yeah he allows her to talk to archie like that yeah he goes and he kills a sex worker and a pimp yeah he goes into this building where it seems like it's not the wealthiest yeah okay. people living there it feels like he's operating with like the less dead mentality right okay right. and it's like only a person of status can see, would see things that yep. way mm. and you're kind of like fuck you dude like has yeah, your kind of right, fucking right. trash yeah and Ganja's trash too. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? But it's the same thing of like, you know, obviously we don't have to like our protagonists. Of course. But it is in a weird way showing again where his addiction is taking him. Right. So it's like, all right. I mean, but it's hard to be on board. Yeah. yeah I, I just feel like move this to later and give us a reason for things that happen later. Because here it just feels misplaced. 
It's a bit weird. Yeah. It, it, it was weird. Like I said, it made it almost felt like a dream at first. Mm-hmm. So I felt I thought maybe, OK, this is going to mean something later. And then we cut away and then we go back to when she's dead. And I was like, oh, no, he he did. Yes, like, what that the fuck? absolutely. Happened. Yeah, it's it's, you know, and maybe you're right, because there is a moment in the film where there seems to be a breaking point. Yeah. Put that there. But why? Yeah. Like, we don't. Why? You've you've already done much worse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But Hess returns home for dinner, sitting across from Ganja at a long table, and they eye each other through candles. Her face was fucking hilarious. Yeah. How that manner. face is I know. Uh-huh. I I'm waiting for the fucking <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting to drop the bomb. I personally I found it funny that Hess arrives home, they probably had conversations already. Yeah. And then I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. She's waiting for the moment. But Ganja tells Hess that Archie actually fixed dinner for them because she couldn't bring herself to do it. Hess asks her what's wrong, and she just repeats that she couldn't fix dinner. Hess eats and reads the newspaper, commenting that the food is very good, but Ganja just stares at him unblinking. She finally says, I know you killed my husband. Hess calmly reacts, simply saying, I beg your pardon? <laughs> That's... Like, stop, that's right. wild stop that. yes. no I didn't an right. innocent man would say what, what are you talking, talking about? about he left Thursday or whatever <laughs> but Ganja says that she knows he did it because he's keeping George's body in the basement but Archie enters the room and Hess just asks him to clear the plates as neither of them seem to be hungry after busting his ass for their meal Archie very reluctantly goes to do so but when he reaches Ganja's side of the table she storms off She paces blurry in the background for a while, tearing up paperwork near the fireplace before making her way back to the dining room in a very nice dolly shot, I will say, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and staring Hess deep in his eyes. Instead of doing anything about this murder that she thinks he committed, Ganja just retires to the living room with Hess by the fireplace. This was so anticlimactic. Like, I really thought that, I don't know, anything. She it f- doesn't seem like she gives a fuck about her husband. Right. But even if she, even if not, like, the fact that you're like, oh, do you like believe in marriage or whatever? Yeah. And you think that he fucking killed uh-huh. your husband? There's not... There, very mild. Well, she's probably mad because she wanted to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, you took my That's toy. not even fair. Yeah. My yeah, toy? I was going <laughs> to kill him. I, and then it's just funny to me because there is a lot of energy in that shot where she storms in mm-hmm. and she's like, all right, I got a story to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. But over shots of different artifacts in Hess's home, Ganja tells him a story from when she was about 10 or 12. She says that winter was her favorite season and she made the best snowballs in all of Boston. She says she was in the best snowball fights and always won. But on the day of this story, she says snowballs were flying everywhere and it was a real scene. She had been at it since 3 p.m. and made it home around 6.30 or 7. Her mother asked where she had been, and Ganja told her that she had been having an amazing snowball fight and had so much fun. She says she beat everybody, and everybody beat her, and it was tremendous. But her mother slapped her across the face and asked her where she had really been because someone saw her being chased by a boy. Ganja tried to explain to her mother that they were all chasing each other. It was a snowball fight, after all. But her mother called her a liar and called her out of her name and never believed her from that day forward. Ganja says from that day, it was like she was a disease. 
She says she has a brother that's 10 years older and her sister is eight years older than her. So she always assumed that she was an accident. She says to her mother, it was like she came down with ganja. But on that day, she realized that she was a disease and she was going to give her mother a full case of it. Before then, she worked so hard just for her mother to tell her she loved her and that she was a good girl, but her mother never could. She says all her mother ever told her was that she was beautiful and she loathed her beauty because her mother found it appealing. But the day of the snowball fight, Ganja decided that she would provide for herself always and do whatever had to be done, but always take care of Ganja. Parts of that I can respect Mm -hmm. to always look out for yourself and your interests. Right. Makes sense. And it's very clear that what she is really saying is that she's willing to look past what she thinks Hess did because in a way of looking out for herself, the best thing for her is to be with Hess. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at it that way. And I also took it to mean that maybe that's why she was with Maida. Yeah. And so maybe it doesn't matter as much as you think yeah. it would. Yeah. I wasn't with him because I loved him. I was with him because like he provided or yeah. whatever. My thing as well, though, is that she really carries herself as like elite class yeah yeah when she's fucking you know looking down on people and all this so it's surprising to me that she would say that she needs because he asked her what she wants and she said money yeah Yeah. and it's like but you already have it you know so yeah it's it's a little act like you have it maybe yeah Yeah. maybe that's it but or she had it and now that's true man i don't know but i thought it was just an interesting monologue right it was i i do Mine was a little more where she said that she didn't like her appearance because that was the only thing that appealed to her mom. Yeah. It was like, that's fucked up. It's, <laughs> it's sad. sad. Yeah, I was like, that, that, that's not cool. That's very sad. But from here, Ganja and Hess chase each other joyfully around the house, horsing around while lively, upbeat music plays. I'm like, and now we're just having yeah. the time of our lives. Yeah, we're falling in love is yeah. what is <laughs> happening now. But a very exhausted Hess falls into a chair and Ganja runs her fingers through his hair and gazes lovingly at him. We immediately cut to Ganja and Hess's wedding. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? The fact, okay, the fact that Hess was so (laughs) cognizant of the fact that if Maida killed himself, Uh it could come back on him. He (laughs) disappeared in his house. Yes. Mm -hmm. His body, for all we know, is still in the fucking freezer. Yeah. Uh This is his wife, and you're marrying her. That's not suspicious. That couldn't look suspicious. Well, he did stab the man and then sleep in his bed. So I mean, (laughs) he did. You put more emphasis on the bed. bed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sleep in my bed after you stab me. That is rude. That's rude. And use my typewriter and do gross shit in my tub. You know, it was rude. But (laughs) I feel like that is very suspicious behavior. Oh yeah, it is. Um, I will say one thing that really did stick out to me. I didn't even see this until the second time I watched it. Um, They were talking on commentary. The actual ambassador to Algeria at the time and his wife are at this wedding with them. Really? Which is very interesting. Yeah. But even more interesting is very far in the background and it's perfectly lined up with the rule of thirds. I don't know how my eye did not see it the first time I watched it. On the other side of the pool is the Queen of Murthia. 
Oh, shit. Really? And she's standing there plain as day. Huh. I didn't notice that. It's like eerie. Hmm. Okay. But the camera does pan across all the guests and Luther is there to officiate the wedding. As he goes over their vows, we see shots of Ganja and Hess under the cover of darkness, disposing of Maida's body, seemingly via burial on Hess's property. Poor guy. Yeah. I was like, Ganja's just down. She's like, yeah, yeah let's fucking <laughs> let's take care of this. Like, whatever. The fact that she played a part in disposal is yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. But sometime later, the married couple lies in bed together and Hess asks her if she still thinks that he's psychotic. She says that she does, but that it doesn't frighten her. She says everyone is some kind of freak. I liked that yeah, line. Yeah, spitting hot fire. That's a fair yeah. assessment, I guess. I don't know what we're doing. But she says Hess, for example, is into horror movies, but she can dig it. Ew, I, uh, what kind of freak is into horror movies? I don't, I'd rather not speak of it. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. But I haven't seen him watch one. I no? haven't. Yeah, what? I laughed out loud because I was like, or his freak thing could be that he kills people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll stick but to horror, horror movies. movies. Is fine. <laughs> That's fine too. But she says when it gets too heavy and she can't cut it anymore, Hess will be the first to know. But then she recommends that they celebrate the divine art and follow nature in all 69 positions. I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. She calls it taking care of business and oh, asks yeah. him to kiss her. Mm-hmm. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Their lips meet for a moment, but then Hess pulls away. He holds her close, telling her that he wants her to live forever. She laughs it off, assuming that he's speaking figuratively, but he genuinely repeats that he wants her to live forever. He's like, nah, but for real. Yes. Yeah. You, do, you do not die. Yeah. <laughs> but the Murthian chants take over the soundtrack as they start to make it sweet. But we cut to Hess kneeling over Ganja's body on the bed, blood staining the sheets. He then moves behind a tall lamp for some reason, just watching her body, which is the now fuck? mostly covered in the sheet. It just it, the the camera angle didn't cut. It was like a crossfade kind yeah. of. Yeah. And then he's just like, I'm behind I, the lamp now. I thought he was hiding. I was yeah, like, I was what like, the fuck? It's your house, man. Yeah, we can see you, dude. <laughs> but the chanting continues as we see Ganja running outside in slow motion, wearing a white gown. She then finds herself inside, attempting to brush her hair, but is overcome by the sounds of the chanting in her head, echoing and growing distorted. She then drinks from a puddle outside in a field. So on commentary, they said that this was her trying to understand what was going on with her, the change. She knew that she was thirsty, but she doesn't yet know for what. Oh, okay. okay. Well, because I was like, is this a dream or for real? Is she running through the field and... Yeah, because she fell kind of funny. Oh, she I was like, did she throw a <laughs> stick in between her own legs? Like, what the fuck? She kicked it up. Yeah. And <laughs> but later, Ganja and Hess walk together outside as Ganja recounts what she considers to be a dream from the night before, a dream that Hess murdered her. The sun beams through branches as light piano plays and Ganja stares up to the sky. Now cloaked and sitting across from each other, Hess tells her that the only perversions that can be comfortably condemned are the perversions of others, which honestly kind of sounds like bullshit to me. It's like their shit's weird. Yeah. Yeah. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But he says that he'll persist and survive without God's or society's sanctions, and he will not be tortured, punished, or be guilty. He hands her a bouquet of flowers, raising the ceremonial dagger above his head. 
He says the blood of Jesus that was shed for them will preserve the body and soul for everlasting life. He tells her to drink in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee, and he whispers to her to be thankful. In a series of dizzying and repeated shots, Hess stabs Ganja with the dagger. So this was a little more confusing because he killed her, but she was alive for him to stab her to make her a vampire. Maybe it was a dream. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Or maybe he's like, well, I was killed twice. Right. Maybe it's a double. You got to get it to her to be a real vampire. (laughs) (laughs) But in the next scene, Hess rides an elevator to a suite to find Ganja in bed struggling against whatever is happening to her body. It's just so unfair because she consented to nothing. He was like, I want you to live forever. Huh. I want you to live for. It's like, dude, that's it's really fucked up. And she never said no. But he gives her medicine to help her sleep and then wakes her up sometime later to give her a glass of blood, which she drinks all of staring him in the eyes as she does. Chug that shit. Yeah. It's funny because she it. like she liked it. <laughs> she did. She was drinking the shit out of it. She finally understands. Yeah. Which is again horrible because of what he's about to make her do. Yeah. But the Merthian chants begin to dissipate, and Hess tells her that he's going out for a while, but assures her that she'll be all right until the evening. I'm like, you made her a vampire? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm gonna go check on some things. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> That's nuts. But he says that they'll be having a guest for dinner and tells her that she could use a little distraction. But he promises her that he would never let anything bad happen to her. But that night, Ganja and Hess sit with their dinner guest, played by Richard Harrow. Ganja and Hess are wearing red, by the way. Oh. I thought that was interesting. But Ganja asks the guest how he knows Hess, learning that Hess volunteers at this man's center. As he describes all the goings on at the center, we get shots of the man undressing Ganja and giving her wine to drink. I was like, what kind of party is this? I yeah. do not know. Where's Hess? That's was yes. I was like, where did he go? Because this goes on and continues for a long time. Yeah. But she touches his face seductively and then puts a ring on one of his toes. They're married now. Oh, yeah. is that how <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> but after giving his nip a bit of attention, she puts her hand <laughs> she puts her hand on his heart and they begin to kiss. They tumble to the floor together, making love. And this goes on for several minutes. For a Mm -hmm. long time. Yeah. But suddenly, the Merthian chants begin to fill the room, Ganja scratching a wound into the man's back and lapping up the blood from it with her tongue. A nearby statue cries tears of blood, and Ganja imagines herself in the field, pulling petals from a rose with her teeth, her mouth full of blood. She screams in horror in this vision, and when we return to reality, the man's entire back is covered in blood. Life slips away from him as Ganja collects herself, begging for help from Hess, who just stands watching in the doorway. She took him out. Yeah. I think I was just confused as to, I guess, what Hess's motivations were. I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's basically what he did with the woman and her baby, maybe. Right. And we just didn't see all of it. We just saw the end result of it. Yeah. And so maybe he's like, well, that worked for me. Maybe we can try the same for her. I don't I know. Guess. Uh, I maybe, guess. Maybe it, like that. You're saying it's easier for him to do the do and then kill I, him. I guess. And then she's like, this is not working, dude. No, she is. No. But and that's even weirder to me because the way that it goes from here you would think that the reactions of these characters would be the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so it's very confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we cut to the next morning where Ganja and Hess walk together in a wide open field, carrying the body of their victim from the night before. Another day, another body dump. Yeah. I do love that they coordinated their body dumping outfits. Yeah. I appreciated that. That was funny. But it's <laughs> like when you're a burglar, you guys all dress the same. Yeah. <laughs> but they lower his body to the ground and through the plastic wrappings, Ganja realizes that he's still breathing. She goes to help him, but Hess pulls her away. She protests loudly that he's still alive. And as Hess drags her away, she tells him that she hates him. Hess tries to pull her close to him, but she wants no part of it, jerking her arm away as he reaches for her. But he eventually holds her next to him as they walk back to the house. So she's a little mad. Well, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. But I feel like, again, even from this point, you don't really see that anger anymore. No. No. She's (laughs) just kind of like, well, I guess this is what it is. uh." But inside the house, the two sit by the lit fireplace. Ganja confused as to why she's always cold. Hess says that he doesn't know and admits that he's always cold, too. He says his solution is to grow used to it. Yeah, I was like, that's not a solution, (laughs) but thanks. And I'm sorry, but I think we have a very simple explanation for why you're always always cold. (laughs) Right? Remember when you murdered me, man? I think I know why. Yeah, just a theory, but Hess just sits there reading a book about Merthea to find a solution to their predicament. The passage claims that if you believe in God and believe him to be good, but he is destroyed by forces dangerous to the survival of love, then the implement by which God was destroyed is the symbol of the destruction of life. It says that that symbol has cast a shadow on the heart and he shall be released into the bosom of the creator, having suffered and tasted the blood of the womb of nature and may sleep in her lap forever." That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. So God's a vampire? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That, how do you (laughs) interpret this? I, what I took it as, okay, so it's tying back to the song we heard at the beginning. Right. Where it's talking about the cross and the shadow of the cross. Yeah, yeah. Also, I did think that it was interesting that we're talking about the shadow of the cross. When you think of the history of Christianity it does cast a long shadow. Yeah. Historically, there's a lot of things done in the name of that cross. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like them using the shadow of it is very, very interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Me neither. It took me two times watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but Ganja understands that the shadow of the cross placed against their hearts will destroy them. Hess explains that the cross itself is just an implement of torture, but the shadow of it is the darkness it casts and nothing can survive in the shadows. So again, as I just said, yeah, all of that, all of the above. Yeah. There's a lot of deep ideas in this film. You just have to dig for them sometimes. (laughs) But at the church, a singer played by Betty Barney leads the congregation in song. They repeat the words, you've got to learn to let it go. You've got to know when it's over which I thought was interesting because I think this chapter is called Letting Go. Yeah, it yeah. is. But Luther watches on as the song continues and everyone sways and sings together. The song ends in applause and Luther repeats the words of the song, highlighting their importance. He begins his sermon telling them that he feels high on the Lord and that the only thing that can bring them down is themselves and the devil. But he promises his congregation that evil will not be allowed in here. The organist in the band burst into song and energy fills the room as they all dance together. The sermon ends with Luther imploring everyone to thank the Lord. 
but he asks if there's anyone here who would like to be prayed for. But when nobody takes him up on the offer, he reminds them that he comes from the same place as them and he is no different. This gave me flashbacks because as a kid going to church, this is what it was. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Everything that's happening here. This is I can remember being in church and this is what's going on. To me, it's just adults. I was like, what, you know, what is happening? I don't understand yeah. any of this. Uh-huh. But no, yeah, this this feels like a real church setting. I see how you can get swept up in the energy of it. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. The music, the, you know, it's it's a lot going on. Yeah. But he then leads the congregation in singing the hymn, Just As I Am. They're so captured by the song that they barely notice Hess enter the room, walk down the aisle, and stand in front of Luther. Luther notices, however continuing to sing almost to Hess exclusively. Covered in sweat, Hess bows his head, loosening his tie. As the congregation continues to sing, Luther tells Hess that today is the day he gives his life to Jesus, placing a hand on his shoulder. Hess kneels before him as the song continues, and he smiles wide, stretching out his arms as Luther puts his hand on his forehead, repeating, In the name of Jesus. The spirit has filled Hess, warming his soul and filling him with joy. Luther asks him, how do you feel, brother? And with a song in his heart and a pep in his step, Hess exits the church redeemed. He looks so happy. Yeah. yeah. This is when I was like, okay, I, for me, it would have made more sense that he killed that woman and left her baby. And that's his bottom. Uh huh. And then he comes to church to try to redeem himself. Instead okay. of because I understand yeah. that Ganja's upset, but you did that to Ganja and you really don't seem like you fucking care that you did that to her. No, I would like more in line with the guilt that he's feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Because so like I don't understand how you've reached bottom enough that you've come back here when you really have not shown any kind of <laughs> remorse at no. all. I think it would have been better if maybe getting the guest for dinner was Ganja's idea. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh my god, yeah. like, what are we doing?" And then even when they're ta- even when they take the body, she's like, "He's still breathing." He's like, "No, he's dead. Uh-uh, yeah. He's dead." <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, I don't care. And then later he's go. like, "Oh my god, oh my god, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go to church." So it, it does feel like conflicting. Yeah. But Hess tears his shirt open, running in slow motion through the fields on his property that look a lot like the fields of Mercia. Yeah, and he looks very free. Yes. Yeah. So he was saved, uh, apparently. Right. But the sun touches his skin as his voice joins that of the congregation, and their voices slowly fade away, leaving only his singing the hymn. But once inside, Hess weeps, knowing what he has to do. He sits in a dimly lit room before a large crucifix in front of the fireplace. The shadow of the cross is just to the right of him, and Ganja looks on with worry in her eyes. He begs her to come with him, but she doesn't answer this request. He then stands before the shadow of the cross, imagining himself running freely through the fields. The sound of a man speaking in tongues and wailing plays loudly as Hess shudders before the cross, the shadow of it finally reaching him, overtaking him, and ending his life. He falls to the floor dead, imagining Maida's death from earlier in his bathroom. Before they kind of did the back and forth, I was like, oh, this is very much a parallel. Yes. Yeah. And then they showed it and I was like, all right. I guess it is. <laughs> I, I was kind of a little confused as to why they showed that. I didn't know if maybe it was trying to link them in that way of what maybe Maida was feeling is what he's feeling. Maybe. 
Okay. But it uh, seemed odd to show him again. Yeah. And Ganja's just watching. She's just there. Yeah. yeah. Leaves blow across the floor as Ganja appears minorly shaken, staring up at the cross, but she does not stand in its shadow. She instead calls an ambulance to take Hess's body away. I wondered, I was surprised that she didn't just kind of ditch his body like they'd been doing. I was like, did she do that to maybe cover her ass or? Well, if you think about it, she's his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If we call for the body to be taken away, then we have a death certificate. Oh, insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life insurance. And now Dr. Green's mansion is Ganja's mansion. I also thought it was interesting, the shot composition. She did not stand in front of the shadow of the cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she stood in the shadow of the cross in the window of the ambulance. So she made her choice. Yeah. Just a different one. But the paramedics ask her questions regarding Hess's death. And she says that she called the doctor when he became sick and the doctor determined that he was dead. They load his body into the vehicle, thanking Ganja before driving away. She returns inside now to her house and property. Mama doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) She's got that mug from Knives Out. But she looks out the window to a nearby lake where in the water, suddenly, their dinner guest from the night before emerges alive and naked running toward her. He jumps. (laughs) (laughs) This is so fucking disrespectful. He jumps over the corpse of Archie like he's a fucking hurdle. (laughs) Yeah, why? She's like, first order of business. So that means that's the first thing she did was kill. Let's the ambulance Archie. left and she's like, come here. <laughs> what the fuck? Why? That made me so mad. And then to just jump over him. Yeah. It was so fucking disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. So he's back? Apparently. Oh, the, yeah. Well, she said he was still breathing. But the thing is, is that he was never stabbed. Yeah. Yeah, I know that makes no sense. Okay. <laughs> I think this is why this is why I'm thinking part of this might be a dream of hers or she's imagining it. Okay. Because it's almost like this is her this is her vision of freedom. Well, I mean, she told y'all from the beginning that Ganja was gonna take care of Ganja. Yes. Right. And she is. She is. <laughs> she got Archie out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first <laughs> That makes me so mad. It does. But it freezes as he jumps over Archie. (laughs) And Ganja stares down Linz into the camera, not yet ready to give up her immortality or vampiric ways as a smile slowly grows across her face. Over a children's choir singing the hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood. The credits begin to roll and it then fades to black as the credits continue singing the song that they were singing in the church earlier. So... What did you guys think of Ganja and Hess? Um, overall, I would say that it's it's not a bad movie. Uh, it's not my taste, um, but I do appreciate everything that went into making the movie. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the artistic eye that it took to do a lot of this stuff. I'm just not that much of an artistic or art house person to you know watch movies yeah. like yeah. that. I do appreciate it though because a lot of it does look good. Mm-hmm. And like I can appreciate like you're saying the comparison of how they do things, what are you saying the the nuance of it? Yeah. Uh, so I do appreciate that. It's just not something that's part of my bag. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but it's very heavy. 
There's a lot going on here, and if you're into that shit, please, please watch this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you like it, I love it for you because this is right up the fucking. I told your sister this should be playing in a museum. Right. This is that like this is art. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to say it, and I can feel the stage. Like the stage yeah, presence sure. here, yeah. it's very, uh, but it's it's confusing, it's crazy, and it's good. I mean, it's it does what it set out to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, it's not bad. I, I didn't. I won't sit here and be like, "Oh, this sucked," or "I didn't like it," or like it. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't. It was it was jarring at, at times, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's not bad. I agree. I think that it is definitely a film to be experienced. Mm-hmm. I don't think that everyone will like it, but I think that it's something everyone should see, if that makes sense. Yeah. It is very artistic. It's not at all what I was expecting it to be. And as somebody who does like to dig a little bit further and try to find meanings and stuff, I do appreciate that aspect of it. On the other side of the coin, I feel like there are so many things that like the character's motivations are not fully realized for me uh-huh. um and a lot of like what like what does that mean <laughs> you know what i mean and like again i like kind of coming to my own conclusion on a lot of stuff but some of it is so up in the air and so open-ended that i feel like i could watch this over and over again and try to like apply a meaning to all the stuff that i think should or i think did and i still will never know yeah you know, and that is, it is a little bit frustrating, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate the commentary. I think the acting was fantastic. I think oh, that yeah. visually it's really beautiful. It's really strange. There are just moments where I'm like, and again, a big, big no-no for me. Um, I know I've given a couple of passes, but that's just because I'm, you know, a human and I'm biased and I'm allowed to <laughs> stick by my, you know, principles when I want to and not when I don't want to. I swear I thought you were gonna say that's because I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> I am a hypocrite as well. Um it it seems to break its own rules. Right. Um more than once. Yeah. And that is a big like sin for me and Sometimes. Sometimes when I when I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how old I was when I saw the film. Um, but that is, it kind of hurts moments of it for me. Because I'm like, but that doesn't make sense with something that you established here. But overall, it was an experience that I, and I'm really glad because T, you really pushed for us to cover it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad not that we were like, no, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I'm really glad that we did because this has been on my list to watch for a really long time. And like I said, everyone should see this. Like, it feels important, mm-hmm. but it also kind of makes me feel dumb because I don't, <laughs> there's so much that I, I, even now as talking through it, I don't fully get. Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree. I mean, and the reason that I had pushed to cover it so hard is because I had had it on my list to watch and I was like, how can I make an excuse for me to finally watch it? <laughs> yeah. If we cover and it. you hear love yeah. story. It's yeah. February. Yeah. And everything that you hear about the movie going into it, I feel like it kind of sets you up for something that you don't get. Yes. Yeah. Which is very interesting because it kind of catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. I felt like that first audience that saw it at first. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what you said it yeah. was. But the thing is, is that watching it fully and really taking it all in, it's a very complicated film. Yes. 
there are a wealth of ideas in it. Yep. Some of them are like clear, plain as day. Mm-hmm. Some of them are merely hinted at and suggested. Yeah. And others, you literally have to find them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting for a film to have this much to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's clearly a lot of messaging here, a lot of nuance, a lot of really interesting ideas that in 1973 are like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. You know? Bold. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to love about this film. There's a lot to sit in confusion of from this film. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 a bit of a mixed bag, but I'm like you guys. I absolutely would suggest people watch it if they've never seen it before. Yeah. Form your own opinion on it because it really is an experience. It is like if you look at a painting you're going to think something differently than the person mm-hmm. next to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to have a different interpretation of it, and certain things are going to mean different things to you. So like that, it is art. It, this is an art house film. Yeah. I keep saying art housed. Like it's placed in, <laughs> it's in, the, it's art placed in the art house. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we can move on to ratings. Yeah. Um, on the positive side, I like I just said, I love that it's trying to say something and it has a lot to say. I think it's very, very impressive that they basically told Bill Gunn that we don't want you to say anything. We want this to be Blackula redone, basically. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> you got it. Mm-hmm. And then immediately turns around and says a ridiculous amount of things with it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really impressive. I think it's very weird. It's surreal. It's original. It does something fresh with the vampire myth. Yeah. That I think some films have really learned from. Mm-hmm. Right. And used in their own way and made their own art standing on the shoulders of this film. Mm-hmm. Which is really what all art does. Yeah. I think yeah. that's why I was just talking to some folks, friends of ours on Discord. The idea that so many people are like, no, I wasn't influenced by that. It's like, yeah. yes, you were. And that's yeah. okay. Yes. Art begets art. I could understand if like you never seen it and right. you came up with it like on your own. It's like, oh, that's cool. But this has been done before. Exactly. So though you did come up with that in your own head, uh-huh. this has been something that somebody's already thought of. So True. it's original to you, but, but yeah. it has been done. You arrived at it independently. Yeah. But if you buy the American rights, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Um <laughs> But no, I think the performances were great. Um, I, I will say the visuals are a bit of a mixed bag for mm-hmm. me because technical limitations at the time, mm-hmm. but also it adds to that really kind of almost gritty 70s aesthetic it yeah. does. that I love. So it's, you know, hit or miss. But the negatives for me is mainly about character motivations. Mm-hmm. I want to know why people are doing the things that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. I want to know when exactly Hess Green became a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to me. Um, and flat out, I will say, I mean, as much of it does work for me very, very well, mm. some of it just flat out doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that happens when you take risks like that. I would much rather watch a film that I'm like, wow, that didn't work at all than bo- be bored by it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you want to inspire some reaction and that's what good art does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I uh, This one is very complicated and very difficult to rate. It is. Because I know I'm going to watch this again. Right. Yeah. Because it's intriguing. It, there's something about it that is like it entices you back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I watched it the second time, it, it wasn't like, oh, well, I just watched this. Yeah. It was like, let's see. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can pick up on more things understand things a little bit better Mm -hmm. yeah and when there's so much to say a second watch is kind of a good thing Mm -hmm. yeah 
So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm working through a lot of complicated thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I'm leaving out stuff that I wanted to say, but there's just a lot to this film. There is. And I'm sure maybe we'll talk on Talk Mortem about it at some point or something oh, to yeah. figure out what the hell. Yeah, <laughs> what we think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, a very, very big positive is, of course, what this meant and means to black cinema. Of course. Amazingly, like, just incredible... Bill Gunn's given this opportunity. It really sucks that he wasn't able to make more films. Right. Yeah. I think he only made like two or three before he passed away. That really sucks. Yeah. Same with Dwayne Jones. I think he passed away at age 51. That's <sighs> young. Yes. Like Awful. I, it sucks so bad, but you're like, you know, we got them at this point in 1973, both of them together. Yeah. yeah. Making a very important film. Be grateful for that. Exactly. Yeah. So try to see it a little more positively i'm gonna try to right yeah right. but for me out of 10 ceremonial dagger stabbings i am going to give ganja and hess 6.5 ceremonial dagger stabbings out of 10 there is a lot to love here but there is a lot of confusion mm -hmm. and yes. it it's 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 impactful but it's also um confusing yes <laughs> <laughs> but i will now open the floor to you no i i agree like i agree with everything it's my thing was like and and i know i my complaint last time was i want story don't just you know again pretty and don't talk <laughs> but here i feel like there's a lot going on like yeah. there's too not i don't even want to say too much story but there's just a lot happening there's just so many voices and things getting put in here sometimes or for me at least it got muddy so some of it is like so what am i supposed to be paying attention to and what am i what am i not uh-huh what matters and what doesn't what's a dream and what's real what happened like like we were all confused i think all three <laughs> yeah. of us at the very beginning yeah about when he turned yeah why is that the first 15 minutes of the movie i don't know what the fuck's going on <laughs> And 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 you were right. I I didn't even realize that until it took fifty something minutes for Ganja to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everything happened really fast. It was like okay, but I I agree. This is a good movie, and I would give I would give a recommendation, but I would give a not a warning, like but a caveat. A, yeah, yeah, like hey, look, if you're into artsy stuff, yeah. you you like you know movies like that or you enjoy visuals okay yeah give it a chance but if you're just you know i don't that's not yeah maybe skip it you know what i mean or like it is an experience i will say that i will agree with that watch it if you've never seen it and then come to your own conclusion then yeah and if it's not for you then just it's not for you yeah and if it is then fuck yeah you gave it a yeah. chance and now you found one of your new favorite movies. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? It's like, no, this is great. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'll be honest. For me, I probably won't watch it again unless uh, we revisit it or your sister wants to watch it and we're hanging out or whatever. It's just there was a lot of voices going on in there. Yeah. And there's already a lot of voices going on in here. <laughs> I'm pointing at my head. Right. Um, <laughs> so it was like, A lot okay. of voices. Yeah. Yes. But um, no, I agree. I, and I also, on a scale from one to ten, ceremonial dagger stabbings. I'm also going to give Ganjin has a six point five. Wow! I did like the movie, but it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. It's very if, and I've I've 
I don't want to say stressed it, but I have said before, I'm a simple man. I don't want to think. I don't want to just, you know, distract me from what's going on in the world. Don't keep telling me what's going on. Uh You know what I mean? Give me something so I don't have to think about, you know, social commentary or whatever's going around. Yeah, that's shitty. But you know what I mean? Just I, let me cut this dude's head off. You know what I mean? Just uh, come on. And say a witty line. Yes, that's it. And then tell me some shit. But no, yeah, this movie's great. And it looks beautiful. Yes. And so you should experience it. But again, with the caveat that it is an art house movie. Mm-hmm. So if that's not your thing. Art housed. Come on. Art housed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? If you feel like you don't need to see it, by all means. Yeah. But. If you want are curious, give it a shot. Yeah. Check it out and then tell us what you think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that it is a, an extremely important film that has a lot to say and a lot to unpack. And you can probably unpack it in a different way every time that you watch it. Yeah. Depending on what's going on in your own life mm-hmm. or who you are as a person or whatever. Um, it's beautiful. It is very artistic, very stylistic. Uh, again, it comes down to character motivation for me. That was a miss. Um, not all the time, but enough of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a lot of confusion. Um, a lot of confusion. <laughs> I was interested to see the remake, but I heard that the remake wasn't very good. I heard the same thing. Um, I will probably still check it out and see for myself. I did see that Rami Malek is in it, and that's really all that I need to be told. That is very uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is an experience, like we had said before. I would recommend going into it knowing that you may not like this at all. Yeah. I think it still needs to be seen. I think it is that important. But uh, I can just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, because on a scale from one to ten, ceremonial dagger stabbings. You got it. I also gave Ganja and has <laughs> a 6.5. I feel like 6.5 is a little bit my go-to when I'm stuck Uh and I either have a little wiggle room, you know, up or down, but it's really hard to rate it because there are so many things that are really, really great. And there are so many things that left me like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. I think for as interesting as it is, it's kind of surprising that it took watching horror noir to have ever heard of it. Ever. I'd never heard of it in my life. It's very surprising to me because you would think that a lot of people would be talking about this movie with their interpretations of it. Exactly. But you never really, before that, I hadn't heard of it. No, me neither. At all. And I don't know. I I hope... uh, us covering it inspires more people to go yeah. watch it. Mm-hmm. It's currently available. <laughs> it's on Showtime. <laughs> on Showtime. Not a sponsor. Um, but then after... Call us. Yeah. Hey, I'm open. Yeah. yeah. But um, watch it and then you can tell us what you yeah. think. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Ganja and Hess and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, while desire can lead you to your destiny, uncontrolled desire can lead you to your destruction. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. 
<laughs> you guys looked at each other <laughs> like what well, are we I, was, doing? I was waiting to see <laughs> which one what she was doing first <laughs> a special thank you to chris ontiveras Kristen lofton megan martinez kimberly bass sophie hodson anthony jerome m jordan nash kent morton lala thomas travis and nisa hunter miguel myers atx jennifer perez Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Aplin Ontiveras, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rizak, Molly Gerhard, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rutter, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun. Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poopoo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagetta, William Rush, Katarina, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Morgan Freenomorph, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Carlos J. Mota, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Paul Jordan, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Cody Graves, Andy Terrell, and Gage. Wow. Yeah. Thank you all so much. <laughs> yes, thank you. We appreciate all of you. And I've never said this before. Oh, my God. But I hope you all know. Well, we hope. I'll speak for <laughs> <laughs> We hope you all know that you are simply vamp all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just disappointing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>